So the, fi- the final question I've got really um, Where do you see the future for Burst Ball guys? Feel free for oh. any of you to chip in at just, any time Just keep oh. going the way we're going Are we going to go at 200 you think? Remember we said that a hundred show we would just get absolutely pissed and do it, but I never really happened. I can't. Two bottles of MD sitting in front of me and I still can't do it. Can't do it. two hundred. to the Burst Ball Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Lewis Kemp and you're listening to the 200th episode of Burst Ball. Yeah, it's quite hard to believe that we've managed to reach 200 episodes, but somehow we have. Now, before I get into what the plan is for this podcast today, I think it's maybe appropriate that we bring in the person who thought up, or dreamt up this uh, idea Mr. Tom McKinnon. Joining me as entrant number two, Tom McKinnon. Yep, pleasure to be here, Kim. Excited to see how this plays out. Yep, so I kind of I went into it a wee bit there. What is your what is the plan for this podcast? How are we doing this? I think the listeners are probably a wee bit confused at the moment. They've, they've no idea what's going on. There's there's entrance music, there's uh, clangers going off, there's it's, it's all over the place. What is <laughs> happening here? Give us a bit of uh, clarity, please. Mm. Well, I'm not sure if your uh, listeners at home are familiar with a, a Royal Rumble format, but what happens is um, every minute or so, a new entrant will come in, whereas in this case we'll do every 10 minutes, roughly, some speak for longer, some speak for shorter, and we'll come in and speak about their least and favourite games um, that they've watched or witnessed during the time of the pod, so since uh, July 2015, uh, and we'll hear from some new faces, uh, some older faces, and some of the current boys that you've been listening to recently. Brilliant, brilliant. So, will we get into it now then? Will we, who will we start with here? Will we get ours or yours, or how we do it? Yeah, we'll get ours out of the way and then we'll um, breeze into the into the entrance. Brilliant, brilliant. So I'll start with you then, Tom. Mm. I believe your favourite game mm. is Falkirk 1, Dun United 2 from the playoffs last year. Mm. Why is this your favourite game? I've got a wee feeling why it is, but I'll, mm. I'll let you explain to the listeners. Mm. Well, I didn't have too much choice, in fairness. <laughs> um because pretty much since the podcast started, uh, has been United's down downfall, um, and since I came on, uh, it's not been much better either. Uh, so there wasn't too many games. I had the Kamarnik game from when we were still in top flight that I think someone might speak about later on, oh dear. where we won five one. But I've gone for this game just because of the the optimism and the 
apart from anything else, the limbs at the end when Paul Dixon nodded in. Uh, yeah, make it two one in the ninetieth minute. I think it was. I'm right in saying that you probably weren't going into this game with a lot of expectation that you'd be winning, or is that maybe a bit harsh? No, I didn't really uh, have too much optimism. I think given the first leg, um, and we looked absolutely exhausted <laughs> going into this game, uh, and I just thought this is going to be it. We're going to run run out of steam, um, and then as the game went on, I thought Falkirk tired more which was surprising given that I thought at Tyndice they looked a lot fitter. Um, obviously they had the week off given they'd finished second, which I think is obviously a massive boost in the playoffs. Um, but United, uh, uh, who's goal? Uh, Murray's goal from the counter was brilliant as well. Um, and then just when he scored that, he thought, we might just do this. I thought, right, this is going to extra time now. And I think it's probably one of the bravest goals I've seen. Paul Dixon just rises out of absolutely nowhere to score that goal. It was just absolutely brilliant. Yeah, well, I've had enough of you talking uh, nicely about Dunyan United. I want you to start berating them. Your least mm. favourite game? Mm. Hibs 3, Dunyan United 0. Um, there was a lot to choose from here. And I know uh, if there's any United fans listening, they'll probably have different ones. Just Because uh, I think there's been a lot of different game, or bad games for different reasons. Uh, I think this one, uh, chosen above, getting relegated by Dundee... Um, the defeats this season to the the two defeats that came closest this season were the Falkirk six one, I think that might have been had I been there but I wasn't there for whatever reason, um, and in the Barton three two game I was there but I thought this one, just given we were actually quite good at the time, and I think if we'd even got a draw out of this game we would have, um taken Fal- uh, taken Hibs right down to the wire, um because this was just at the the end of our brilliant run, uh, over Christmas where we'd gone I think it was maybe, twelve or thirteen games, uh, winning a lot of them. Uh, not getting beat too often and I just thought the clean sheet record was in there as well um, and I just thought this if we can at least get a positive result here we could be on for something special this season and go straight back up but then the day and the tactics from McKinnon was just so negative um, I think we could see in the stand that they had two good wingers and two good fullbacks and we played with Toshney and Dixon who just got overrun played no wingers just got overrun and it was just terrible to watch because I think we're all so excited before the game making the trip to the capital and then um, seeing just the dross that was put out in front of us and they just blew us away there wasn't even a moment where because it happened so quickly and so early on that there wasn't really a, min- a minute where we thought right if we can get our feet here it was just so quickly and they just blitzed us I mean is it harsh or was this the the beginning of the end for for Ray McKinnon mm, I suppose that's probably where it started I think you can track uh, McNamara's um, downfall from the uh, selling of the three or the two players at the time, uh, Mackay Stephen Armstrong to Celtic, and then from there, we hardly won a game, got beaten in the Scottish Cup final, um, and just uh, from there it wasn't the same. And I think this maybe was the start. Maybe it wasn't quite as as obvious a start point, but I think there is there is method to that. That um, this is where it started for McKinnon, given that I think it was a mentality thing as well. I think even if we'd been beat and it would have been close, I think there was been, right, we can do this, they're not that good. We're playing on a big pitch in front of 17,000 Hib fan, Hibs fans. Um, and if we can go there and at least compete with them, then uh, we could take them to the end of the season. Uh, but we would just look like any team that played at the Hibs. It could have been Dunbar and it could have been even Breakin this season. We just offered nothing. Uh, and I think we were at the mercy of Hibs. They could have scored six or seven if they really wanted to. Mm. 
Ah, yeah. So, without further ado, Lewis Kemp, what was your favourite game? Yes, uh, my favourite game is is one that might be quite popular with a lot of the Celtic fans in this in this podcast. I'm not too sure yet. Uh, obviously, they're all still to come into mm. the into the ring with us. But uh, but <laughs> for me, it's the the cup final from last season, Celtic to Aberdeen one. A very emotional game for a number of reasons. I've talked about it on the podcast numerous times. I think. Mm. Um, was of course the the what well, we finally got over the line in terms of the treble. There was the the factor of it was the invincible season domestically. We we hadn't lost a game to any team in Scotland that season. There was also the factor of it was the fiftieth anniversary of Lisbon as well. So there was a a lot of a lot of things going on this season, and even at the start of the year. When uh, I was there for Rogers unveiling, uh, I remember him patching me for a high five uh, quite vividly. <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, I had, I had that feeling that you know this could be quite a quite a good season, quite a quite a special season, and it turned out to be even even better than that. Uh, not ashamed to admit that I did shed a tear uh, when <laughs> when Tom Roderick uh, poked Aww. it past uh, Joe Lawson in it. Mm. Yeah, I have a feeling this will be a. Um, this will be replicated and we will hear maybe a bit more about this in the podcast um, so I think it was was it because it was the, the sort of the last game the, the the treble the first is it the first treble in your lifetime? yeah yeah I, I think, I think that's know? well it's not the first one in my lifetime but it's the first mm. one I can properly remember I think I was just a bit mm. too young to to remember uh, 2001 yeah I mm. think it, just because you've you kind of grow up in stories from other Celtic fans about trebles and it's it's always what you're aiming for, I think, as well. It's as much as a lot of fans of other teams will say it's maybe what you should be expecting of Celtic every season and maybe mm. even Rangers as well. Uh, I, I, there was a time where maybe people expected Rangers to win trebles, but it's it's not it's nowhere near as, as simple or as easy as, uh, as it sometimes maybe sounds on paper. I think uh, mm-hmm. it's... <laughs> I mean, you look at the, the amount of semi-finals we bottled, the amount of final, well, the one final we bottled. Um, mm. But it's just, uh, it's just been that thing that uh, the carrot at the end of the stick, uh, to use a wee bit of phrase uh, mm. terminology there, that uh, Celtic have been chasing for uh, pretty much as long as I can remember, and for us to do it in in that fashion, uh, in that game with mm. the whole invincible thing, the whole Lisbon thing, there was just. Uh, so many aspects that made that game incredibly special and I think there was only one choice for my, my favourite game since the, since the pod started. Mm. And your least favourite game just <sighs> comes under the bracket of when just, the podcast started, is that yes. right? Yeah, yeah, it does. It was uh, August 2015 uh, and we started in about July, so this would have been very early on in the in the busball canon. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, of course Malmo to Celtic now. A game that I think a lot of Celtic fans will probably try to wipe from their memory. I know, uh, of course, I'm thinking of this season, all the Champions League games will be fresh in the memory, PSG mm-hmm. most notably. Uh, and there's, I mean, there's even maybe this, the semi final against Rangers, although I think looking back, that's kind of where uh, everything turned for us. So it's maybe looked back and a bit a bit more fonder than maybe at the time. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's Malmo game still. Um, still just makes me a bit upset and I think even just the, the tie overall the first leg 
you know, we're wiped the floor with them and they give away two really cheap goals and it's 3-2 going into this game. Two, the both of the goals. Uh, I think it was Marcus Rosenberg scored the first from a corner. If I remember, yeah. Uh, the second was also from a corner, and like, I, I had wiped it from my memory because I actually watched it back in preparation for this, and it's just the biggest shambles like possible. I think it's Bayata that ends up getting the the credit as his OG, but mm. just sums up Celtic at that time. Just really uh, poor defending, and uh, you know, when it came to the big stage. They just couldn't hack it, and I think what made it even worse was that you can accept if a team's a lot better than you. PSG, for example, they were miles better than Celtic that night. It's still gutting in terms of the 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 actual performance of the players, obviously. But I mean, they are a better team. Malmo were not anything special at all, and we made them look special. And I think that's what's uh, it was really quite uh, cutting about this game. Mm-hmm. Well, that was our two favourite and least favourite games. Um, so I hope you can uh, enjoy the the next uh, the next entrant. number one to our uh, 200th episode celebrations is Ryan Crombie. Welcome to the podcast, Ryan. Hello. It's a bit strange, doing not it? Um, this kind of format feels a bit odd, feel a bit under pressure. Mm. <laughs> big uh, big episode called for uh, big celebrations, Ryan. Um, so obviously you're uh, new to the podcast, well, relatively new to the podcast like myself. You were on one episode before me, is that right? Yeah, something like that. Oh, you say new, I mm. feel like I've been doing this for like 10 years now. Mm, it does age you, doesn't it? Yeah, but... Mm. Um, so before we get into your favourite and least favourite games, uh, do you have any sort of standout memories from the podcast? Um, there's one, uh, albeit not a great one, that I think we <laughs> we called the, the Ghost Podcast, where we sat in the studio in uni for about three hours and recorded a podcast, <laughs> and then discovered it never actually recorded, um, and had to sit for another two hours and recorded a podcast. <laughs> Um, so yes, uh, that was certainly still recovering from that day in a hot, sweaty studio. Um, that was quite early on, wasn't it? Yeah, I think was it was. Was I that day? I, I do remember that. Yeah, you were. Um, certainly wasn't. Well, it was a almost. Um, I think it might have been five in that after I'd started this. Um, so, not the greatest of first impressions for me, but luckily enough for uh, you, lot I stuck around. Um, and yes. Uh, yeah, you you must have been thinking what what is this shambles? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so spend five hours to record an hour of audio in one studio. Uh, but no, in gen- <laughs> in general, it's been a, a great experience. That it's good coming on after Aberdeen have won anyway, um, and not so great um, when they don't. And I'm sure we'll discuss the opposite extremes of those in a few minutes. Speaking of Aberdeen winning, your favourite game is Aberdeen 2, Rangers 1 from the 21st, eh, 25th of September even, 2016. We discussed this game on the podcast, uh, episode 94, Under the Radar. Um, well, before we get into your thoughts, Ryan, we'll just hear from Lewis. There's no doubt for me that Rangers were the better team in that match. Um, you know, I thought defensively Aberdeen were good, but 
um, they can play a lot better, I think. And I think that's maybe the encouraging thing from Aberdeen point of view, where, you know, this has not been a good performance from them, but they still managed to get the three points. Whereas, you know, Rangers, you know, they're playing well against Ross County, as we saw the week before, against obviously Aberdeen as well. Um, and they're not getting the three points. And that would probably worry me most if I was a Rangers fan. Is that a fair assessment of the game, Ryan? Um, I mean, it was a while ago, so I can't overly remember. Um, but Lewis's comments do seem to favour the, the Rangers side of things, something I never thought I'd say. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, that aside, I don't think anyone really cared how Aberdeen played, especially after the way it ended. Um, I mean, I don't particularly care if Aberdeen played badly. Uh, got the three points and then got the sort of first victory over Rangers after they rediscovered um, what life was like in the top flight. So why is this your favourite game then? Well, I mean, it was kind of the first game um, that Aberdeen and Rangers played with each against each other since they um, were put down to the bottom division, shall we say? Um, <laughs> Good choice of words, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think I think I worked out at the time Aberdeen and Ross County were the only teams not to have played Rangers in their sort of. Um, four years it took them to come back up to the Premiership so it was the first game between the two teams um, and as you can imagine Aberdeen Rangers games are um, sort of big events by them, uh, standalone events by themselves but just the fact that two teams hadn't played each other and then of course um, as everyone knows how the 90, 92nd minute came and went um, and it was 1-1 and then James Madison just stepped up and curled up what was the one of the best goals I've ever seen in person into the, the top of the corner um, to win the game against Rangers um, after not playing them for four years. Yeah, it was pretty pretty special. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, Lewis, I believe you have a personal story surrounding this game. Um, in terms of the game, we watched it ourselves. Just about avoided a lynching yep. uh, in the pub from a very angry Rangers fan. Um, I hope he had a miserable Sunday night personally because he was... <laughs> Um, a bit out of order with what he had to say to us. Um, the game, the first half, um, admittedly we were watching it and, and Johnny's gaff, the game kept cutting in and out due to his, or your terrible wife. I don't that's, want to say it's Johnny's gaff, it's your gaff as well, Gamba, Johnny and Lewis's gaff. The game kept cutting out due to your terrible Wi-Fi. Um, but apart from that, I don't think we missed too much because no. it wasn't a great first half anyway. So Lewis, um, can you give us a bit more information on that? But- Yes, um, so I'm not really sure why we didn't talk about it at the time uh, I think we must have been a, a, a wee bit more professional back in those days uh, <laughs> Compared to now But uh, yeah, basically what happened was uh, As Hamish kind of talked about there uh, A Wi-Fi in our old house was absolutely horrendous And uh, we watched, well, tried to watch the first half And it kept cutting out uh, So we thought, right, uh We'll just uh, we'll just go to the pub and watch the second half. So we've done that, it was fine. Uh, and <laughs> uh, when uh, James Madison scored the free kick, uh, very late on in the game, uh, it was myself, Hamish, and Johnny, and we all jumped up. And Fisher as well, actually, who who of course did not jump up and celebrate, but <laughs> me, Hamish, and Johnny jumped up and celebrated. Uh, and now the re- there is a reason behind this it's not just uh, a hatred of all things um, <laughs> Rangers uh, we actually I think me and Hamish both had 2-1 in the predictions uh, and Johnny also had a tenner on Aberdeen 2-1 uh, 
So uh, certainly Jeez. to understand from Johnny's point of view why he would uh, be celebrating. Uh, and also it was kind of, as Ryan's kind of alluded to as well, it was uh, it was good scenes. So it was uh, it was more so just a kind of, oh, I guess it was really funny. That's quite <laughs> what's happened here. Uh, and of course, uh, as soon as we celebrate, uh, a guy at the table uh, next to us, uh, <laughs> I still uh, can't believe I'm saying this, but uh, he said, uh, what school do you go to? and it's just one of those moments uh, in life where you're just like you cannot believe uh, the words those words have came out someone's mouth so you you can't even respond Uh, we were all just stunned and just didn't say anything like we couldn't believe he'd said that uh, and and looking back on it, it was uh, it was quite something. So that's uh, my kind of personal story from from that game. Mm. I'm sure you've both got personal stories for this next game. Ryan's oh, least yes. favourite game: <laughs> Celtic two, Aberdeen one, twenty seventh of May, twenty seventeen, last year's yeah. Scottish Cup final. Um, we discussed this game on episode one five three. Your dad's Tim Vinci Vinci Trebles. <laughs> I think that's up there for one of the worst names of a pod of all time. <laughs> Oh dear. Um, this was Ryan's thoughts after the game. I don't think I've ever um, experienced such crushing agony um, following Aberdeen in all my life. To be honest, uh, <laughs> I think it was something. just. Uh, I think it was just made worse because Aberdeen did leave everything on the park and made such a game of it. Um, and you really did think that after Celtic missing chances and uh, the. The brilliant game that Aberdeen were playing that it was going to be one of those days and you'd upset the odds uh, but it wasn't to be Ryan do you have any other memories from this game? Uh, I do have a particular sort of moment imprinted on my retina and I don't think I'll ever forget it's the <laughs> I mean I sort of alluded to the missed chances that Celtic had but it was the the missed chance um, where Johnny Hayes managed to get the ball and he's breaking away in goal and tried to square it to McLean and then like puts it behind him um, I mean, I, I can laugh about it now, um, but at the time, I think I was battering the seat in front of me. <laughs> yeah, I think that I was right in line with that, so that's um, imprinted on my retina. I can still see it as clear as it was um, at the time. Um, certainly not one of my happiest of memories, um, and not one I'll forget quickly. But um, certainly, I can cope with a with it a bit better than I could at the time. And bear in mind, I did do that podcast the week. By the day, a few days after it actually happened, so I'm going to say fair play to myself. Almost if uh, Johnny Hayes knew where his future, uh, where his future was. Well, or is well, you could uh, you could say that, but then he's broken his leg now and doesn't play. So, <laughs> mm. uh, how did you feel when Roderick got that ninety-second uh, minute winner? Uh, well, I'm pretty sure I don't need to describe how I felt. <laughs> I've done it in in that wee clip there. Um, mm. I think it's a bit more um, accurate from what I said at the time. It's just, as you can imagine, just um, it's not even the fact that I expected it. I think we kind of got past the sort of the last minute winner, and then it comes out of nowhere. Um, but a typical Tom Rogic popping up in big games, and he's still doing it like, a year, a like, year and a bit later. Mm. Thank you, Ryan. Um, I think we'll uh, find out who's ne- out next into the, the Royal Rumble that is this 200th episode spectacular.
our next entrant is Mr. Calm Fisher. Calm, how are you doing? I'm not too bad, thank you, Kemp. Yourself? Ah, not too bad. It's been an interesting 200th episode so far. Um, certainly, I think it's good to have you on, uh, Calm, because you, of course, you are a uh, you're an OG, but you're a, a very OG. You're, you're as OG as they come. You were there in the, the founding meeting, I believe. I was I was there in the founding meeting, and I was there in the very first episode. Uh, mm. The day Mark Warburton got appointed Rangers manager, I believe, because myself, Amos and Connor Park, sat and watched his press conference before we did the inaugural podcast. So uh, I'm as veteran as they come. That was actually... There was a podcast before that, was actually. Was uh, I... <laughs> Uh, there was it was myself, uh, you and Hamish, and it was a, uh, I was the team of the season we done. Oh, I think. It was actually right, yeah. I, it, I, there was two podcasts we recorded. One didn't get uh, rec- didn't record properly. I'm not really sure what happened to the first one, but the second one did, and it was a kind of team of the year. So you're even you're going even further I'm back. Going even further back here. The veteran losing his mind so. here. Ah, exactly. <laughs> I did. So I mean, do you have any? Or we kind of talked there about some uh, very early memories, but have you got any other kind of standout memories since, uh, oh, junior time in the podcast? Uh, well, obviously before the podcast, I don't know if anybody else has spoken about this, but uh, we had the kind of we had a couple of incarnations uh, of what would become the the Busball Podcast and um, the shows the the that we called Friday Football Talk that was never ever recorded on a Friday. Um, where, there was about, where there was about 16 of us or something squeezed into the uni studio um, there was that. that that was always that was always a good laugh that was still when, the, when everybody was still trying to get to know each other stage at uni as well so nobody wanted to offend each other and I think we all just sat and agreed with everything that somebody else said um, but after that obviously just doing the podcasts every week it's always it's always been always been good it's always been good to, to allows you to get things off your chest and obviously as a Rangers supporter in the time we've been doing the podcast there's certainly been plenty of opportunities uh, to do that um, I think probably my favourite moment but is I think we're doing a team of, team of this season at the end of our first season doing the podcast and I remember Ross nominated uh, I think it was Gary Warren <laughs> it was uh, Gary Warren it, yeah. it was either team of the year or it was either Cali Thistle's player of the year Um and he nominated him, and I think it was just a case of Ross obviously just picked an Inverness player and hoped that he was right. Uh, obviously, Gary Warren had been out for the best part of the season with a leg break, <laughs> uh, which was which was classic Ross Clark insight. So that was probably that's probably one of the best moments. You caught uh, you yourself, Kemp, uh, Colin Lee, Mo, oh, Raul Mo as well. Yeah, uh, that was yep, a good I knew one. going to come up. <laughs> aye, oh, aye, definitely that one can't be left out. Um, and I don't, I think <laughs> this one was predates the bus ball but it was the because it was a Friday football talk that we did on the League Cup semi final in twenty fifteen, uh, Rangers and Celtic and it was myself, Hamish, I think Lewis, you were there as well and Connor Park where um a, just I think I think it was put in one of the end of season shows, just the kinda of outtakes. And talking about tickets flying off the oh, shelves. Yeah, yeah, I do. I, do I, I, I was trying to remember exactly what that was, but I. So Connor, uh, for whatever reason, was hosting that episode, Aye. and he just—I don't know—he he was just kind of speeding up every time he was talking about. <laughs> I know. Uh, it was that. It was uh, bizarre. He just—he just kind of pressed fast forward on his own voice. It was. <laughs> uh, 
It was a strange one, but no, there's been plenty of, plenty of funny moments uh, during the podcast, but obviously one thing, whenever we're recording it, it's always it's, it's always a really good laugh, so nothing but, nothing but fond memories of the, the prior 200 episodes. Good stuff. So here's another fond memory for you. Uh, Rangers 2, Celtic 2, Rangers winning 5-4 on penalties. It was the semi-final of the Scottish Cup 2016. Uh, and we discussed this game on episode 71. It was called Stick or Twist. Uh, not sure why. But uh, yeah, you had some interesting opinions on Andy Halliday amongst others. A lot was made like... With Rangers fans in the past kind of week or so, but is this going to, you know, are they worried about, obviously it's well known, known that Andy Halliday's a big Rangers fan, is this occasion going to get to him, is he going to keep the heat and all that kind of stuff, but I thought he was absolutely tremendous, led by example in that middle uh, middle of the park there, Dominic Ball put in a hell of a shift mm. in there as well, I thought he was tremendous, stepped back into centre half and, and by the end of extra time I, I, he could barely walk, um, by the looks of it. And then Jason Holt, kind of just doing what Jason Holt always does, always busy, always trying to get on the ball, always trying to make things happen. And, and I agree, I, I mean, I try not to get into too much hyperbole here, but I genuinely think our midfield just ran the show yesterday. I really, I really did, and I thought, credit to all three of them, you know, that was one of the best performances I've seen from a Rangers midfield in, in a long, long time. Tremendous from them. Yep, uh, I mean, I, I kind of feel a, bit, a wee bit bad like, including that clip, because... I think at the time, like obviously, how they had a really, really good game. Uh, Banks is kind of funny when you consider the the events of another semi final which took place a few weeks ago. And when you consider he's not really had a good game since, to be honest. <laughs> no, uh, no that, that, listening to that, it's obviously about a million miles away for the mood we're in Rangers supporters just now, um, particularly with the with Halliday and Holt. Obviously, two players that I think pretty much everybody. Um, Agrees aren't good enough for Rangers anymore, but but that game, that game, Halliday did. I think that was the best, probably will be the peak of Rangers' career. Um, and Jason Holt, who had a really solid season in the Championship, and to be fair, any time he's kind of played, I mean, he's he's not great, but he he has been he's been solid enough um, since we've been promoted. But uh, certainly, um, yeah, things <laughs> things maybe don't look as great at the moment as they did at that point two years ago. So what are your kind of overriding memories of this game? Uh, I remember I had about two hours sleep. Um, myself, Hamish and a couple other boys, uh, non-birthball members I should add, uh, went out that night. Um, got back in maybe about half six in the morning. Got in, managed to get some kind of sleep. But it was kind of, was really, really buzzing. So I got up with one of the worst hangovers I think I've ever experienced in my life. So I thought, well, if I make myself something to eat, um, then I should be all right. So I made myself a bacon roll, and I had like a, a like a box of Corona sitting in the corner. So I thought, if I have a bacon roll and a bot and like a couple of bottles of Corona, I can it'll, it'll act as a leveler. <laughs> so I get two two bites into the bacon roll and spewed that off everywhere. So I just went, well, fuck it, I'll just pan three of these Corona, and that kind of leveled me out a bit. Um, and then going up in the supporters bus. Just the kind of atmosphere around the game, I think you just felt as if, certainly from a Rangers perspective, that something we, we really were in with a chance. Didn't expect to win, but there was certainly we thought we could win. Uh, and then the game was kind of a blur. I remember vividly, though, obviously the Barry McKay goal, just kind of standing talking to the guy beside me, just chatting away about this and that during the game. 
and then all of a sudden Mackay steps in and he just hits it and it kind of goes in and for that brief second I kind of like have I just seen that and then it was just absolute pandemonium um, probably one of the best it's, it was slim pickings I'll be honest with these to pick something <laughs> positive for the, like, since we've been doing the podcast Rangers wise but that moment was absolutely amazing and then obviously winning the shootout as well um, obviously now you look back on it a bit of a false dawn in terms of from a Rangers perspective but on the day it was it was absolutely magic and certainly the, the feeling of how happy everybody was that day uh, will we'll probably live with me forever to be honest but just, uh, just an amazing day um, a very hungover day but that was long forgotten uh, once the game started Yep, uh, you mentioned false dawn there of course Rangers would go on to lose the Scottish Cup uh, and uh, well, going to lose in the in the Scottish Cup final to Hibs, uh, they were beat three two, and not surprisingly, although there is of of course a few candidates, but not surprisingly, you've picked this as your least favourite game. Mm. Uh, we discussed this episode on episode seventy four, so still kind of around the same time as episode seventy one as well. It was called back in town, so I think we had had been on a pod for a, for a wee while, uh, and I think it's safe to say you are absolutely irate. <laughs> It was a it was a watershed moment on Saturday for Rangers fans, um, and I make no apologies for my opinions on that subject. Uh, and to be honest, the game itself, I can accept defeat. It's when excuses are being made for Rangers players being attacked, and there's actively people out there trying to find evidence to the contrary, even though the national newspapers had pictures of it. Um, I think. I think quite a lot of people need to need to take a good look at themselves after after the incidents on Saturday. Yep. Uh, so uh, that rant actually goes on for a good uh, a good fifteen minutes, I'd say. Uh, so if you've never listened to that episode before, please uh, dig it out the crates and uh, how you listen to it. But uh, yeah, Fisher, does this uh, does this game still make you as angry? Oh, I, uh, a few years. Uh, <laughs> I, I, in the future I fucking hate this game uh, I have not <laughs> been able I've seen Miller's goal and I've seen Halliday's goal uh, I've seen the first Hibs goal but after that I'm just like nah tried to watch it back a couple of times but it still just gets me so fucking angry that we lost that game uh, that ran just going into the, doing the pod that day I think it was um, it was a bit there was a bit of tension because I think everybody could tell uh, as yeah. often as I think quite a lot of folk can with me um, and I'm in a bad mood uh, that like I'm, I'm really in a bad mood I'm either in a good mood or I'm in a really bad mood so uh, that day I was ready that's what I was saying before about the podcast being good for a rant uh, as you say 15 minute rant I think that went on for I think a bit of back and forth between myself and Johnny and you were saying just before we started recording you decided to, to stay out of it but it was obviously a pretty still probably is if you talk about what happened after the game a pretty the divisive topic but um, yeah not one of my favourite games at all it was either I was going to say when we were talking about it uh, to do the Motherwell playoff game but I haven't thought about it now this one definitely annoys me more which which is saying something because that Motherwell game pissed me off some major as well <laughs> yep and a, a very memorable uh, game as well um, probably for the wrong reasons for, for Rangers fans but um I mean, it's just one of those games that still kind of brought up even to this day. Like, even I think um, I have to take myself out of it from a Rangers perspective very, very quickly. It's probably the best Scottish Cup final there's been for a wee in our lifetime. Uh, yeah, aye. I think I, I think I said that on that pod. Yeah, like, aye, from a neutral perspective, no, no doubt. But aye, I still I fucking hate it. But from I can <laughs> see why everybody else likes it, but um, not not uh, particularly fond of remembering that one. 
Yep. Uh, well, thank you very much, Fisher. No it's problem at all. Nice talking to you. And uh, we'll now move on to our next mystery entrant. KC, Kilmarnock Callum, Callum Scott, how are you? Yes, Tom, I'm, I'm uh, very well, thank you. Uh, how are you? Yeah, not too bad. Nicely speaking to an original from the podcast. Old school. Oh, Old school indeed. Aye, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I was there from the early days, but uh, the real founding fathers are uh, Paul, uh, Kemp and Hamish, I think. Mm-hmm. Um. Don't don't pick up Kemp's ego as it's big enough as it is. Um, <laughs> do you have any particular memories that stand out from the from your long time on the pod? Uh, see, obviously, there's a few come to mind. Um, obviously, there are many Kilmarnock ones, uh, very many Kilmarnock ones. In fairness, I'm sure the listeners will be well aware of that. Whether it's twenty minute rants or twenty minute uh, joyful rants. But uh, in regards to just like the pod in general, um, the the first ball one I liked. Uh, I thought that was really cool when we were away in Germany and stuff, and we were able to. Well, I think it was Hamish and, and Lewis again that edited that all together, and that went really, really well. Um, and then j- j- just a few other things. I, I always enjoy the Christmas specials, and that. I think they're they're brilliant. They're a great listen, and they're really fun to be part of. Um, but no, it's just it's been class, and I can't believe it's been basically three years now um, and let's say hopefully hopefully at least another three three more strong years uh, mm-hmm. and take over take over the Scottish media with the best podcast in town well fingers crossed for that um, <laughs> your favourite game was fairly recently Kilmarnock 2 Rangers 1 23rd December 2017 we discussed this game on episode 182 Banished from the League of Shadows uh, on the pod <laughs> Um, the panellists brought up a rather funny aside from this game. Killy beat Rangers 2-1. Holy shit. Did you see Killy Cal? Have you seen the clip of him in the crowd on the telly? <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't, um, please source this or try to find it because it's, well, it's right after the second goal. Um, yeah. And yeah, he's just... Uh, which is nice to see him quite happy again after how he was right at the start of the year. So, Casey, what are your memories from this game and being in that crowd? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the first thing that stands out is that I was on the telly for for uh, Big Boy D's second goal. Um, I said at the time like that uh, he diverted that into the, the net. Obviously, you'll remember that. That's the one that... And the Rangers TV commentary as well, some will be saying, oh, deflected into the net, which it wasn't. It was a wonderful finish for Big Boydie. Um, and I said at the time, everybody was like, no, nah, Boydie meant that. And I went, no, just hit off him. And then when we seen the, the replay later on that night, it was, turned out to be an absolute wonderful finish. But no, th- th- that day was just... Because it was a close one, because obviously I had a few for this year, and obviously be- beating Celtic 1-0 was one as well. Um, but it was more to do with the fact that... Um, that game just it really felt like the start of something. Although there was already a few kind of highs under Steve Clark at that point, but that game just it was the first time I'd seen Rugby Park is is uh, buzzing after a win that wasn't a 
playoff winners, whatever. <laughs> um, it was it was great. Just I always remember coming out the ground and everybody singing in the concourse and the way out, and I've never seen that before. Um, and it was I. It really, it really sticks out, and it was just and it was the most dominant I've ever seen us against an old firm side ever. Um, I thought we absolutely battered Rangers. Um, and we thoroughly deserved the win, and it ju- it just really felt like the the start of something special. And although we're obviously a few months on for that, I still think it uh, it, it is a start of something special. And that um, the club will look back in that game in a few years and say that that really was the kind of one of the most uh, significant uh, wins under Steve Clark's early reign as commander manager. Do you think there's also the the aspect of like every team in the league has that kind of famous win over Rangers or at least it seems that way and before that game Kamarnock didn't really have that yeah well maybe I mean we already had a couple of decent results against Rangers you know um, we drew them a few times and we'd competed well and even the 1-1 draw with Rangers at Ibrox in October was class I you all remember yourselves that that mental last uh, minute and a half or whatever mm-hmm. um, so obviously that stands out but no I, I can totally see what you're saying Lewis, because it was just just because of the pure dominance I mean it was 2-1 gone on 4 or 5 to be honest um, and again it sticks out for the game Is I think we had a couple of really good chances in the first 5-10 minutes of that second half and then there was another 10 minute spell and another 10 minute spell and I, I've sent to the boys I'm like this isn't happening today like I mean we've created this amount of chances and we still haven't scored and then Boydie pops up with 2 in the space of 3 minutes or something um, but no I, I, I can agree somewhat with that Lewis. I think I think you might be right maybe it is that because it was your kind of first win over over Rangers and as you say most other teams had kind of enjoyed that success including sides like Hamilton and St Johnson so you know, that, that certainly could have been a factor as well um, Moving on to your least favourite game uh, <laughs> the two games are two years apart just about um, exactly um, Dungeon United 5 Kilmarnock 1 uh, take great pleasure in this uh, Casey this being your least favourite because <laughs> I was tempted to put this as my favourite um, this is 23rd January 2016 Um this was your thoughts on the Game Express in episode 58, um, Can You County 3, which I think is one of the better names this podcast has had. <laughs> After the United game, I was furious and I was saying to my, my dad, I was like, if Watt can't set out a team to face, you know, United had been inconsistent all season. We knew what team was going to come out against. Kelly they knew they were going to be up for it. They treated the latter cup final. So if you can't set a team up to combat that then what hope is there and that goes for Hamilton as well I mean that was a massive game and it was at Rugby Park and you know just it's a different defence every week and you know Ashcroft and Kevin McCarty in particular were absolutely atrocious worst displays I've ever seen um, defensively yet we only conceded one goal I mean those two guys in particular other like I said I don't know it's not fair to single them out I mean the full team was poor but those guys were in particular very poor and it just wasn't working. I mean, in at half time, he shoves McGuinness up front with Boyd, and there's no midfield, and the the game plan just totally went out the window after there ever was one. So, uh, Casey, what were your memories of this game then? Well, obviously, we were speaking before we came on air, and the d- despite that not being for the podcast directly after the United mm-hmm. game, it was actually the week after when we get beat by Hamilton, but. It, as you can tell, I was still that bitter about it. I had to bring it the, the week later, so it was, prob- it was just 
uh, I mean, if obviously, I think I mentioned my dad and that, and I'll mention my dad again here because he he's kind of served his time and wasn't really interested in going to away games. But I remember in the lead up to that, ah, you come to Tanada, he's like, nah, no chance. I'm like, come on, it's got to be. We need to get there. It's a big game in that. I I hate Gary Lock and all, but uh, but but we need to come. Big game, and I eventually was able to convince him. And we get beat five one man. We're then then four now at half time. I think four now at half time. And my cousin, who's many years are familiar with as well, fingers left left after the third goal or something, and went to the pub. Um, just left me and my dad there. And I, I, after doing all that convincing, that that was the only other away game we went to that season. I think. Um, but no, just a really 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 poor game. And I think I summed it up quite well uh, on that podcast. Was the fact that. I mean, we all knew Dundee United had to come out the traps because I think we are probably maybe about eight or nine points ahead at that stage, Tom. I, mm-hmm. I'm totally just, that's just a guess, but I'd assume so. So we knew it was a must-win game for Dundee United to, as if they had any hope of avoiding uh, finishing 12th. So you knew, that, and I think United were trying to, you know, there was a big campaign went into the game and mixer and that, come out and support mm-hmm. the team. So, so you knew it was going to be a massive game. And Gary Locke still probably treated it the same way that he would have treated the Hamilton game the week after which was a, obviously a very big game as well but not the same uh, but not the same magnitude but no nah, just terrible terrible performance I couldn't believe what was seen I can remember I think Blair Spittle was really really good that, that day mm-hmm. in fairness I think he, he ran the show he was playing right wing back yeah um, he was playing there <laughs> which is quite quite funny if you're thinking that mm-hmm. but no I just it really was a absolutely Horrible experience and just like, but thankfully it ended up playing the kind of downfall like Gary Locke's um, exit as a Kilmarnock manager. Yeah, Gary Locke didn't last too much longer after that. It was a week after he got sacked. Uh, this was your live reaction on the that pod. I just can't take that smile off your face, can I? You must be, you must be delighted to see uh, your your favourite Kelly manager of all time, Gary Locke, depart the club. I know, I know, you guys will say different, but. I I don't I, I don't want to see him do lost their job. I mean it's it's the, no right, come on, right. It's it's still the guy's livelihood and and but it clearly wasn't working, you know. I mean there, there's no need I mean there's no point in us getting hammered week after week and then going a run of three games undefeated. It just papers over the cracks, one of my <laughs> favourite sayings on this. And it's what's happened for the full season. So it's justice for the club. I mean, there's only one way we're going if he was going to stay there. But there's bigger problems at Kamalant than Gary Locke. Yeah, obviously, it's mental how much the, um, the two sides' fortunes have changed. Not quite since that day, but not far off. Um, do you still sort of share the same opinion on Locke? Oh, without a doubt. Um, I think I said at the time in the pod as well that no way he resigned I believe he was pushed it was basically get called in after getting beat back he's one nil at home and was like listen look. because if anybody remembers his post-match interview straight after it didn't seem like the kind of guy that was about to get in hand in his resignation to be honest aye, aye um, you're spot on with that actually I remember the, I must have been on that pod because I, I remember that quite well like his post-match was just really normal and then it was just announced that he was he, he left like <laughs> No, definitely, because, I mean, usually you can tell a lot of that about, you know, the last guy, do you still think you're the right man? And you're like, well, to be honest, you don't know anymore. I mean, the players never turned up and stuff. But no, his, his post-match reaction was just uh, business as usual. <laughs> Doesn't matter if we're getting beat 1-0 at home to Aki's. Uh, 
and then he came out like about an hour after that he'd left the club uh, by mutual consent but I was like nah well no no he handed in his resignation I'm like, no chance I reckon he went into the directors uh, the boardroom and they basically said right we're got, you're not going to be commander manager anymore we can let you leave with a bit of dignity or we'll sack you so you pick and then he made it look as if he handed in his resignation um, but aye it was just it was it was a bit of relief once he left but the same way just I still stand by there were a lot bigger problems at the club than Gary Locke um, mainly Michael Johnson uh, <laughs> thankfully although still 40% major shareholder is no influence at boardroom level anymore and is taking a, a step back so we're just going to have to anniversary of that happening as well but uh, but no no I, I totally hold the same opinion I think that Locke just I, I believe that we probably would have went down if uh, if he was if he was allowed to keep in charge because Lee Clark didn't exactly get a new manager bounce um, but it was always going to be hard he came in he's coming in after the transfer window as well so I think you know, he brought in three players Alex Henshaw Julian Faubert and Miles Addison um, <laughs> uh, obviously all three of them are relatively well known um, and only one of them kind of made a semi-decent impact and then left the season after anyway but uh, so no but I d- I really do believe Gary Locke with the tennis did that season and Lee, Lee Clark the problems were still there uh, which were the bigger problems under the, the kind of board at the time with Michael Johnson And but thankfully we've now kind of seen the back of that and the club looks like it's moving moving uh, positively for a change Thank you Casey uh, we'll be nope. hearing a lot more from you hopefully in the coming podcasts um, uh, No doubt about that no doubt about that thank you again uh, it was fun to be part of this mm. wee uh, interview. Uh, thank you for taking part. Um, who shall be out next? Next up, we have our very own Ross Clark. Ross, how are you doing? Not too bad, not too bad. Very busy man, unfortunately. Can't be on the podcast all that much because the, the demands of the Asda retail world means that I work a, a 2.10 on a Sunday, right in the time where the podcast goes out. But um, yeah, I'm keeping busy, keeping busy. I've been I've been away in a stag do in Liverpool, organised that. I've got my brother's wedding coming up next week, so doing a best man speech for that. In between times, I've also been in Tenerife, so yes, um, busy, busy man. He certainly sound a very busy man. Um, I mean, before we get mm. into it, obviously, Ross, you were a, a, an OG of the podcast. I mean, is there any particular standout memories during your time in, on the show? I think there's been there's been quite a few. I think back in the corner part days when he was um, when he was previewing one of the was that a semi final he was previewing was it but yeah I mean, it was it, a semi final yeah. and it was uh, it was funny because Cal Fisher brought up the exact same thing I think you really? were about to bring up as well yeah in, in regards to uh, him uh, I don't know his his voice just seemed to speed up for some reason yeah uh, it was like uh, yep yeah, Ross what were you what were you saying there about it. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's certainly been a few moments, but that that's the one that stands out. I really enjoyed the the hundred episodes, the 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 podcast we done for the marking the hundred episodes. I thought they were good as well, especially the the room one hundred and one with the football farts and 
Willie Miller and that sort of thing. I thought that was all very well done. So yeah, there's been a lot of good memories, and I'm just hopeful that you guys can can keep it going. Um, and hopefully, at some points, I can I can manage to make it on in the future. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, we'll get into it then. Your favourite game, Scotland won, Slovakia now way back from the, the 5th of October 2017 uh, it was a Martin Scuttle OG what are your <laughs> yeah. uh, what are your thoughts on this one Sad, sadly not get any audio clips from it because um, I think we actually we actually recorded this um, after the Slovenia game uh, which was obviously was on the Monday um, and well mm. nobody really cared at this point but <laughs> what was your uh, standout moments at the, at the time for this game um, well, first of all, I'd like to say it was very slim pickings from 2015 being a being a Scotland and St Month fan. I would give an honourable mention um, before I go into the Scotland Slovenia game to uh, Scotland Slovakia game. Sorry, to um, I, I managed to get along to uh, the draw with uh, Livingston last Saturday, which saw St Month obviously promoted or crowned as champions. Now it was an absolutely dire game, so I, c- I couldn't really pick it as my favourite game and. Um, but obviously it meant a lot to me being a, being a St Month fan, being a St Month season ticket holder for four years, but um, a nil nil draw just didn't really seem fitting. Whereas Scotland games, I've been going to Scotland games for for so, so many years. I think my first my first real memory was um McFadden scoring against scoring against Holland and there's been a lot of a lot of brilliant memories. But I think the thing about Scotland Slovakia was, you know, we didn't really we didn't really give ourselves a chance up to that. I think we'd had there been a few other there been a few other moments where we thought, oh, it might be a chance. I think one of the games which I would actually say was my favourite and my least favourite was came in that campaign as well with Scotland uh, Scotland drawing two each with England. You know, from the from going ahead with three minutes to go and then to Harry Kane's sucker punch at the end. It was a real that was a real kick in the balls to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, I think Scotland Slovakia we'd went in a brilliant run before it. Um, we'd won quite a few games and you know we'd given ourselves a real shot and then the game came along everyone was buzzing and we we played decent you know we played decent but we just couldn't find that goal I think uh, I think Martin hit the bar and I'm pretty sure Griffiths hit the bar with a free kick as well um, and you were thinking it's just never going to come you know it's just not going to happen and then that ball goes into the box and tell me your whole world kind of pauses for it or mine did anyway but um, and the ball goes somehow ends up in the net and it's it was just one of those moments that you'll you'll not forget because I always remember at the end, um, bits and pieces was on, and everyone was just <laughs> everyone was just jumping a bit mental. Oh but I'm pretty sure my oh I'm pretty sure my dad's never heard I'm pretty sure my dad's never heard bits and pieces in his life. But he certainly seemed to be an avid fan at that at that moment. Um, but yeah, I think that just gave us a belief. You're telling us that you were one of the the many uh, sad acts who were. Uh, jumping up and, and dancing at the end of the game to bits and pieces. Is that what you're trying to tell us here? Well, I I, I can neither confirm nor deny that rumour, but um, <laughs> I think I don't think I would have been the only one anyway. Um, it's just that moment of euphoria where football takes over you, and whether it was Pavarotti singing or whoever, I think you'd be jumping about it. You know, what I mean, it's just um, it's just one of those moments, and I think it, it did set us up for the Slovenia game, which obviously typical. Typical, I'm going to say it, glorious failure didn't happen. You know, it was just, um, it was just gutting, to be honest with you. And I think, you know, that gave us a belief when we beat Slovakia that we we could do it. You know, it was in, it was in our hands. Um, and Slovenia obviously just didn't happen. I remember being in work for the Slovenia game and we went one 0 up. 
and I was buzzing, putting out juice, rapid, absolutely firing it out. And then I heard that they equalised, and then they went ahead, and yeah, it was pretty, pretty depressing. So yeah, that that basically summed up being a Scotland fan in in four minutes. <laughs> uh, we'll now move on to your your least favourite game. I know it wasn't the Slovenia game you've just touched on there. It was in fact. Morton 3, St Mirren 1 from the 1st of November 2016. This was the first competitive win for Morton over St Mirren in 17 years. I take it this was a, a, a pretty sore one. Yeah, I think that's a, a, a one way of putting it. Um, I mean, I didn't get to, as I say, when I started refereeing, what was that, probably about 2014, I gave up my season ticket and obviously during Saturday afternoons I'm refereeing. So this was a midweek game. Um, and I decided to take it upon myself to go along to to Capolo and see the match um, and yeah we, to be honest 3-1 flatters we were well and truly pumped it was freezing it was raining and it was just it was just an absolute shit show to be honest with you um, and I mean Morton could have won by 5 or 6 that day it was really really poor and I think that was that was when Jack Ross had only been in the job I think less than a month um, but you were kind of thinking, we're sitting at the bottom of the table with what four points. You're thinking, where are we going from here? Um, so it's quite a, it's quite a funny, it's quite a funny comparison to where where we find ourselves now. Uh, maybe I'm just a bit of a jinx, but I think that's, I think that shows you, it gives you credit as, it gives credit as well to Jack Ross and some of the players who he's brought in, some of the guys who've came through the youth system. You know, particularly likes of Lewis Morgan today being nominated for PFA Player of the Year. So, you know, it shows you the transition that's happened with Instant Man that I'm looking back at that now and thinking it's just a million miles away when it was only just over or a year and a half ago, 18 months ago. So, yeah. Yep. Hamish brought up some uh, some interesting thoughts from Gary Teal after the game and, and this is what he had to say. I was chatting to Gary Teal earlier on in the week. He was, obviously, he's a man who'd been in the position uh, that Jack Ross currently finds himself in that being bottom of the league brought into a team that's struggling um, asked him if he had any advice for Jack Ross he was you know what Gary he was like he's very um, calculated he doesn't uh, want to sound as if he's um, lecturing uh, yeah. Jack Ross but he was saying that you just basically need to believe in your players at this level um, and make sure you, you have complete trust in every single player going out there um, and he, he didn't reckon that, that players like um, Webster and Clarkson and Sutton were over the hill yet. He thinks their experience could be vital in getting St Mirren out of their current um, their current state. Yeah, so, so quite funny in hindsight is it's obviously the opposite seemed to happen and the the experienced players such as uh, such as uh, Webster, Clarkson and Sutton they had absolutely nothing to do with the, the success of St Mirren this season. I won't have um, Webster. Webster's name tarnished like that. Thank you very much. Well, I think Ross Court <laughs> might disagree with that. Yeah, yeah. I think um, the only thing Webster really done for St. Man was sell a couple of goals in the League Cup final in 2013 for Hearts <laughs> to help us win it. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that was his biggest contribution, in fairness. But um, yeah, I mean, these guys, I forgot Sutton was still at the club, to be honest. Clarkson's a different matter. He was tarnished by injury, um, a really bad injury he got. So that was slightly different. But I mean, Sutton. I did feel a wee bit sorry for him in some respects because he'd, you know, he'd been there and he was getting left in the bench and I, I just don't think Jack Ross really favoured favoured the way he played. I think between times with the likes of, you know, with Shankland, we brought in Danny Mullen, we brought in Gavin Rayleigh, these guys. So it was always going to be difficult for him to kind of cement a place. And he is, he is a kind of, he's just your typical target man. Um, so I think 
you've got to look at the the young guys who have come in. You know, your McGuinnesses, your Morgans. These guys who have just come in and you know completely revitalised the team. Stephen McGinn as well. He's been he's been absolutely crucial for us um, in the midfield. You know, bringing him back was a a massive massive boost. Um, and I think that was basically Craig Sampson as well. I, I think he he is basically one of the. I know people kind of mock him as being not this great goalkeeper, but he's a St Mirren fan. He, in the League Cup semi-final, he saved a penalty against Celtic when if they had scored that, they were going to win. Um, and we wouldn't have gone on and won the trophy. I'm fairly confident of that. And then also, I'm sure Tom will remember it well, um, I think it was around January time, Christmas time, uh, when mm-hmm. Dundee United came to St Mirren Park. He saved a, a penalty from McMullen. Uh-huh. And, you know... Again, it's it's small margins, but these things matter hugely. We went on and won that game two 0 and you know, as began the capitulation of Dundee United. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I think yeah. Um, so yeah, I think all these guys are hugely hugely important. But I think it's not just been the experience that's helped us there. I think it's been that mix of guys who have been there and done it, like Stephen McGinn, like Samson, along with your guys like Gavin Riley, like Morgan. Like your McGuinnesses, you know, all these guys are crucial, and I think it's been the, the perfect the perfect formula for success this season. Yep, uh, thank you very much, Ross. That was uh, superb. It was great hearing you again on the on the podcast. And uh, hopefully, we'll get you on yep. for uh, another couple uh, as we as we wind down for the season, maybe or maybe even next season as well. Yes, yes. Um, as I say, I'm a I'm a busy boy, but hopefully, with the the long summer ahead, I'll be I'll be able to. Provide some, some. I would say knowledge, but I wouldn't really go as far as that. But yeah, I'll be, I'll be about. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Uh, well, thank you very much for uh, being on the two hundredth episode, uh, and we'll we'll move on now, and we'll we'll get our next mystery surprise entry. We'll keep this bus rolling. Next out the hat is Johnny Clark. Um, how are you today, Johnny? Yep, I'm good, Tom. Um, delighted to be here for this very special episode of the Burst Ball. Hmm. Uh, before we get into it, uh, like myself, you're aren't an OG of the podcast, um, so you <laughs> might not have as many memories as Kemp. Uh, do you have any particular ones that stand out, though? Um, yeah, I, I had a few, but I think one of the highlights got to be. Um, former member of the podcast Connor falling asleep um, <laughs> <laughs> during a podcast just the height of unprofessionalism uh, I think that this was pro- probably like I don't know I think the podcast had quite a few phases this is probably maybe the weakest phase of the podcast there was quite a struggle and uh, quite a tough period for, for uh, all the members and uh, for Connor to go and fall asleep just kind of topped it off which was wonderful looking back at it it's quite funny was this uh, Connor's uh, circus at the end of the week uh, stage yeah <laughs> <laughs> he works hard all week with Falkirk and at uni and then he just comes onto the podcast and, and took the piss out of us <laughs> yeah um, without further ado I think we'll get into your favourite game um, Rangers 2 Hibs 3 uh, 
the Scottish Cup final, obviously. Um, not surprisingly, mm. this is Cam Fisher's uh, worst game. Uh, and you guys did have a bit of a back and forth that uh, we've heard already in the pod um, in episode 71, Sticker Twist. Um, this is what you had to say. It's one of the best, one of the best matches I've seen seen all season. I'm just, I mean, Lewis were actually talking about it earlier. It's it's something special about Scottish yeah. football. Was what other league in the world? I think we're discussing compared to compared to Germany. There's n- there's nothing like that. Like Hibs, nothing quite as special as Hibs going 114 years without winning it and scoring a last minute header. I mean, it's, I know. it's unmatchable. You couldn't have written that. Even like, Leicester City. Couldn't beat that, could they? That was incredible. So, Johnny, what are your memories of this game? Yeah, I think the reason I picked this one, and there's there's a few games that you could have picked, but this is just one of the most remarkable cup finals I've ever seen, and not just in Scottish football. But um, I think when I was in Germany last year and when I went to Amsterdam in December last year, people talk about this game, people know this game. Um, obviously Hibs hadn't won the Scottish Cup for 114 years which to do it against Rangers in that ma- uh, that fashion from behind and yeah it was just completely remarkable this, the scenes at the end might have marred it a little bit but the crowd that day was fantastic both teams went for it it was just one of the best cup finals I've, I've seen and uh, as I say I think the fact that it was the game's known so well. I mean, when I was living in Germany and in Amsterdam, as I say, people knew this game. And uh, a friend of the show uh, who stays in Amsterdam actually told uh, told me we had a debate a debate about the game you'd most like to be at from the last decade, and he picked mm-hmm. this game, which oh. kind of tells you the magnitude of it. Um, it's, it was just a fantastic game of football. Mm. Uh, yeah, the, the the scenes at the end did man it, but um, obviously still have this as your uh, favourite game. Um, was it because of the scenes at, at the end of the, the game itself that sort of made it so special? You mean the, the goal, way in which Gray won it? The, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be. I mean, to win a cup final like that, and any cup final is uh, tremendous, even if it's been a boring nil nil to win it and like that would have been incredible but the fact that it was three two, the fact that it was Hibs and they hadn't won it for hundred and fourteen years, they'd had the the piss taken out of them relentlessly for pretty much the whole time I've been watching Scottish football and then to win it against Rangers as well. And that's not anything against Rangers, it's just the fact that it's one of the the old firm and obviously one of the two biggest clubs in, in Scotland as well that they've won it against. Um after there Rangers was, there and was even two Sorry, Johnny. There was even the aspect of that season. Uh, there was a whole Hibsdit thing, and yeah. Rangers fans were probably the most vocal set of supporters who were kind of uh, obviously Hearts as well, I suppose to an extent. But they were very vocal and their uh, kind of jibes at Hibs for Hibs in uh, certain games, and for them just mm. to kind of turn that on its head, I think is a as another aspect that sometimes gets forgotten. Yeah, I mean that was really. Because Hibs were quite poor in the league that season, I remember. Stubbs was manager yeah. and they didn't, they didn't get promoted, did they? Uh, they finished no. behind Falkirk and lost to them in the playoffs because I was at both those games in the, in the playoffs with Falkirk. So maybe the fact that I'd seen Hibs quite a lot that season as well. Um, I was at the semi-final. Am I right in saying... Yeah, I'm right in saying the semi-final was against Dundee United, yeah. Yeah, yeah one of the yeah, worst Yeah, I was at the semi-final in the United end and that was utterly drab. 
the highlight of which was probably Jason Cummins' disastrous penalty miss. Connor Logan. Um, yeah, oh yeah, fantastic. Now he's at Mansfield. You know, there's even stuff like Logan in the final, you know, and, and the semi, the fact that he played so well and he's just not that good. I mean, <laughs> to go from playing that well in a cup final to playing at Mansfield, um, it just shows you everybody played above themselves that day for Hibs and they were really, really good. Mm. Uh, you sort of just mentioned the drab nil nil or drab nil nils mm. earlier. Speaking of which, your least favourite game, uh, Airdrie Arbroath from the 27th of January 2018, so not too long ago, um, was also nil nil. Um, so quite an interesting choice this one, um, given that you don't um, support a, a league team, well, apparently. Yeah. Cough, Aberdeen cough. Um, <laughs> this wow. was the sympathetic views of the panel of the members of episode 187, Unfriended. I think the boys actually all attended Airdrie Arbroath, uh, and of course that finished 0 <laughs> 0. So I hope they enjoyed their Saturday afternoon trip to uh, deepest, darkest Lanarkshire. So, what were your memories of this game, Johnny? Um, it was just really, really <laughs> just drab. Um, <laughs> I think the worst thing about it is. Um, well obviously the game was really bad <clears throat> but you can put up with a 0-0 I've seen my fair share of bad football matches um, and uh, <laughs> I could have picked a lot of games for this uh, Aberdeen Hearts at uh, Murrayfield this season was really poor as well um, there's a, a whole list of Scotland games that I could have picked as well obviously Slovenia away um, but I've never seen Scotland lose I've, every time I've seen Scotland I've seen them win so I thought it would be quite unfair to, to go for a Scotland game but this day was my first time ever at Airdrie and it could not have been less of a, an advert for it um, it was just a miserable day as well the entire walk home like you know you know when it's raining so badly that you're like and I'm, you're wearing skinny jeans and the back of your thighs are just completely drenched through I was just honestly I've never been so angry as I was on that train like, yeah I remember I met you after oh, it yeah mm. I was just honestly I was so upset. The game was terrible. It's my first time to Airdrie. I was quite excited. Um, <laughs> and you you mentioned the, the date of that game, and I think because obviously of dissertation this year and working for the papers, I've only been to three games this year. I think that have not been for work, and this was one of them. The other two were both in air. So that oh well, well for us at the weekend as well. Sorry, so four now and. It just, I, I generally think it's made me, I think it's put me off football. <laughs> <laughs> mm, yeah, you were a very, very grumpy bear after that game. Uh, yeah, I was. Mm. <laughs> so you, you said it's put you off football, I take it that, um, stop you going from Pataudry so often then. Pataudry? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Actually, now that you say it, I was offered a ticket for Pataudry. I'm moving back home to Forest mm. at the weekend, and uh, I may well be going to either Hibs or Rangers at Pataudry mm. but I have not been to Pataudry I have not been in two <laughs> years I've only, been, I've only been to Pataudry like three or four times I've actually been to Tanadice more than twice this mm. season so mm. <laughs> I wouldn't accuse you of supporting that rubbish in fairness no right. um, so uh, thank you Johnny for um, attending this podcast and making it so easy for both me and Kemp <laughs> after a few difficulties with headphones but uh, I know you've just had Ross on the line so I've tried to be mm. as efficient as possible mm. technophobe sauce <laughs> right uh, 
thank you, Johnny. We'll wait and see who's out next. and that uh, familiar tone of Vaporwave means it's time for Andrew Gamba. Gamba, how are you doing? Yeah, good. Good, good. I'm, uh, I'm finally working my way through Metal Gear Solid V uh, about three years after everyone else. So, uh, yeah, it's been a good day. <laughs> Wonderful. So that is what you've been doing with yourself today. Yes. Uh-huh. Very, very, very exciting day. Yeah, so obviously, I mean, this is our... <laughs> this is our 200th episode, so... Uh, I mean, you did come into the the podcast a wee bit later, but you made a pretty much immediate takeover, am I right in saying? Yeah, hostile takeover, I think, is the way I, I like to describe it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think everyone else has kind of established themselves already with their kind of personalities and their kind of... the way they would approach things in the podcast. I think I was kind of an empty vessel, so it's probably best I kind of just was there just to... Just keep everything ticking over, hopefully. Obviously not in the same style as Hamish, but you know, hopefully it worked out okay for everyone. You are you're I mean, not, you're I mean, not the, an empty vessel, Gamba. The 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 podcast <laughs> hasn't died a horrible death, so I I, I must have been doing something right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you have any I mean I, I mean, I'm sure you have a lot of uh, particular standout memories, but do you have any any ones that uh, come to mind straight away? Of of the pod of the podcast, yeah, just of uh, your time of the podcast. Eh? <sighs> there's so many, there's so many moments we've probably had to cut from episodes. I mean, I know there was quite <laughs> a few on the Christmas special, um, where people will, will mention. Uh, for, for some reason, Tony Bellew gets mentioned a lot. Um, <laughs> possibly because he's a borderline fascist, and we just like to appeal to that kind of. That kind of sense of humour that Tony Bellew is always right about things. Um, yeah, strange, strange thing for a football podcast, I suppose. So Tony <laughs> Bellew to is Tony. your your highlight <laughs> memory of the, <laughs> the podcast. Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> Has there been any uh, times you thought, "Why am I doing this"? <laughs> Just now, when we've had to re, when, now, when, yeah, yeah, well, when we've had to re-record episodes. Mm. When we've recorded whole episodes and something is completely messed up. Yeah, Ryan actually mentioned um, that as well. There was there was one where we my took five hours. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the one of the first ones actually with uh, Ryan and Tom when we were still in the studio, we had to mm. we had to re-record after doing and basically it was probably a two hour long podcast. Mm. Yeah, I think that I think yeah. it must have been the one Ryan was referring to because he was uh, saying how it was one of the. Very kind of early episodes he was on, and he was he wasn't really sure what to think of what was going on yeah, at the I mean, time. I mean, it was great because we we you know, I, I say we. I mean, the podcast had lost basically half of its members, um, and you'd you'd I mean tried to replace three with myself, Ryan, and Tom, and uh, I. They must have you you boys. I mean, Tom, you must have just thought this is an absolute clown show. Mm. This is a complete circus. Like they take like five hours to record a an hour long podcast. It's yeah. quite impressive. My view hasn't changed too much, in fairness. <laughs> I mean, it's Tom. a clown. It's 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 a clown show, but it's a, it's an efficient clown show now. Yeah, it's, it's our clown show. 
<laughs> well, speaking of a coin show, uh, your favourite game, Gamba. Rangers My 1, favorite... Celtic 5. Yeah. Why? I mean, th- there is top in it. Um, I think someone else will probably have the cup final, but... Um... Uh, I remember, I remember coming out of the game and Lewis, you know, both at the game as you probably heard from the the clip there, um, or you will hear in the clip eventually. Yes, I'm we sure. will play but, uh, the clip. Uh, very shortly. We'll play the clip. Sorry, I, f- I forgot. I forgot it was vaporwave we came in with. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I remember turning to you when we came out of the ground and it was just like that might be the best game I've ever been to. Um, there was, I, I remember going into the game there being a real distinct feeling of like this. You know, the unbeaten... As soon as Celtic got to the split, there was a feeling of like, okay, the unbeaten season is on. They need to win or not lose five more games. Um, Had to go to Pataudry, had to go to Ibrox. Um, It wasn't... (laughs) You know, it wasn't wasn't the gimme. You know, it it certainly Mm. wasn't... The, the, there was still a fear factor. And of course, the game earlier on in the season when Celtic had played Warburton's Rangers and... Got a victory, but you know, a, you know, very very tough time. I mean, Rangers hit the post. I think before Celtic scored their winning goal in that game, so there was a real feeling that you know it might not go away. Obviously, the semi final had been just before it, but it was just I've never seen a clamping like that at Ibrox. Hmm. I mean, there has been like three nils, and obviously one of my all time favorite games as a Celtic fan is Samurai Sunday. But like that, that was by no means a comprehensive victory. There was there was no doubt at any point in that game after the first goal goes in that Celtic were going to win that, mm. and also to kind of bookend the season with five one results. Because I mean, I remember, I remember the initial five one result. Everyone going, oh, there's no that big a gulf between the two teams. No, absolutely no chance. Absolutely not. No, that was never a five one game. To to do it again, at the opposition ground at the end of the season when there was so much pressure on Celtic to, to get this unbeaten season it was just an incredible feeling coming out of that ground mm. I mean here is uh, we'll play that clip now that we referred to uh, so many times we've got Sorry, quite spoilers a, quite a big <laughs> build up now it's nothing really too impressive but it was from uh, episode 149 Neil McCann Cuddles uh, I don't know if you can shed any light as to why that was called uh, Neil McCann cuddles but yeah uh, this was me and your reaction to the game on this podcast yeah Rangers 1 Celtic 5 Lewis this is a game that, that we went to on uh, on well midday on Saturday um, <laughs> it was good day out wasn't it yeah I mean it was uh, good to come home with, uh, with three points in the bag and mm. uh, one step closer to an unbeaten season yeah yeah uh, <laughs> I was it was just it was just incredible, wasn't it? Uh, I was I was outstanding and one of those real what was it like it was eighteen hundreds or something. Uh, I, I don't uh, even know if eighteen ninety seven I'm gonna say yeah. Celtic's biggest win since at Ibrox. I had the feeling of being really historic at the time. Um uh. and afterwards as, as well I think you kinda of got the gravity of, <laughs> of the situation. Um I it was uh, unbelievable and I don't think you'd ever expected that to happen yep so the overriding feeling there and, and takeaway is oh, the fact that it was a very historic I think it was the 1800s was what we kept referring to there there was a feeling of history almost but I'm thinking now back to this game 
a couple of months, oh, I suppose maybe oh, oh, a year, pretty much a year after that. Pretty much to, um, pretty much to the day, I think. Yeah, yeah. When, when yeah. we're recording this. Uh, and I don't know, I, I feel like it's maybe been lost a wee bit. Is that harsh? Like, I don't know. No, no, it's, no, it's not harsh. I mean, it, it hasn't been brought up at all this season. Um, there was there's kind of fleeting references made to it after the cup semi final, the four 0 but I, I I thought it would have I thought it would have a bigger impact than it did. Hmm. I mean, um, I mean, even the home game that you threw earlier just seems to be more I don't know iconic. I don't know if it's because it's the the tricolor and the corner. <laughs> uh, it is, it, but... I mean, I, there's there's so many Rangers players that were just finished after that game that hmm. you don't really. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, Barton. Barton's the the, the obvious one. I mean, I, I I mean, I will mention players that played again for Rangers. I mean, Cranchar and and Senderos were just kind of done after that game. It was just nobody would really take them seriously. I mean, Cranchar was supposed to be this, you know, game controlling central midfielder, and you just never saw him again. And a well, especially a Celtic. I mean, a Celtic game never really got on, did much. Um, the the 5-1 didn't really end many people at Rangers. It didn't have that kind of finality, the, the kind of finality to certain players mm. in the Rangers team. Um, I suppose it maybe it maybe heightened Lee Griffiths' kind of stature in the Celtic team, showing that he could he could go into the team as a striker and score goals. I mean, not as many as Dembele, obviously, but that he could go in and do that at Ibrox. Um, but no, it's, it's it's strange. It de- you are right. It definitely isn't as kind of historic and monumental as the first game. Yeah. Um, we'll now go to probably another game you'd maybe like to forget. Um, Celtic now PSG five uh, from this season September uh, in the Champions League. The first European game we've had actually um, out of all this so far. Uh, this was your least favourite game. Uh, what are your kind of main memories of this this particular match? Um, just a real sense of like helplessness, isn't it? <laughs> There's my kind of my kind of memory of, especially watching Celtic in the Champions League when I was kind of I I from two thousand and six onwards is really kind of ingrained in my mind and the amount of teams, big name teams not just big name teams but also you know good teams at that time that would go to Parkhead and come away with either a point or nothing um, was quite long um, that has certainly since 2013 it's kind of died um, This this it used to be Celtic Park was a place where teams didn't want to go because you wouldn't get anything, now it's just there's a good atmosphere but mm. a lot of teams have picked. A lot of teams have picked up points at Celtic Park. Um, Barcelona have won on multiple occasions. AC Milan have won there. Juventus have won there. Anderlecht have won there. Oh Borussia Mönchengladbach have won game. But this this one, this one was really huge. Yeah, I mean, we did. We discussed the the kind of aftermath of this game. Uh, when Celtic beat Ross County 4-0 on episode 165 probably my favourite ever episode title give me League 1 or give me death uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is what we had to say 
fairly well deserved I thought I mean it was it was crazy going to the game like hearing the Celtic formation and it's like mm. okay he's he's playing a back three and one of them's a full back and the other one's a centre mid and like okay it's like, right, it's, it's it's like he just lost it after the PSG game like he just completely <laughs> lost the plot. Thought, fuck it, let's just go for it. Like, yeah, um, it, it was almost as if it was a stage of like, I'm just going to pick these players and I'll try and find a formation to suit these players. <laughs> yep. So that is uh, well, basically what happened. Uh, Rogers went a bit mental after this game. Uh, what was? I mean, what what was the the main t- takeaway from this game? I mean, what happened after this? Do you think? Wait, do you think it did change the, the psyche of uh, all the Celtic players or, or the manager? Or Probably not. Considering <laughs> they lost 7 because they said they lost 7 1 over there. True, true. <laughs> but, I mean, um, we, did, we did discuss the fact that there was obviously the. Rogers kind of went a bit mental in terms of his tactics on Saturday after this. Yeah, I mean, maybe it was a case of getting a few players out of the team, just giving them a rest after it. Mm. I'm, I mean, I'm, I can't really, I can't really think that that much going back to it with the Ross County game. I mean, I do just remember there's been just nothing that team could really do. But then I suppose there was quite a few injuries going into the PSG game, wasn't there? Because there was Lustig was playing centre back. Well, Ralston was playing obviously, which was uh, yeah. the big one, and I think he probably. Out of all the Celtic players, he made probably the most headlines, and maybe not for the 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 right reasons. Is that maybe a bit too harsh on him? But um, yeah, I think there was certainly a few injuries, and I uh, just one of those ones that you definitely want to forget. I think for Celtic. Yeah. Um, well, sadly, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> no, you cannot. Well, uh, no. Gamba, that's been been brilliant talking to you, and. Uh, well, we will hear from you uh, very soon, every week almost. <laughs> uh, and yeah, yeah, just thank you very much for for steadying the ship after uh, there was a few men overboard. <laughs> <laughs> no, no worries, boys. Right, uh, we will now move on to our next entrance. is returning Matthew Finlay how have you been? Tom I've been very good thank you for for having me back uh, bringing the old guard back for this special episode and it's a pleasure to be a part of it Pleasure's all mine Matt um, so we've not heard you on the podcast why is that? Uh, well I got, I got a job at Aberdeen Football Club um, for August time I guess started so mm. I've been at, been at all the games this season obviously I've been doing social media stuff Red TV mm. and that so it's really really good good um, first job and obviously being an Aberdeen fan is, as you know um, it's, a, it's a very good opportunity to, to work for the club I've obviously supported for since I was a wee so it's, uh, it's mm. really good to really get myself uh, and get get up and down the country every week as well but I've been at every game this season so it's mm. it's been really Living good the dream Living the dream, yeah. It's, uh, it's not a bad first job as a graduate sports journalist. So, yeah. Um, so before we get into it, do you have any particular standout memories from your time on the oh, podcast? I'll, honestly, loads. There's there's so many good memories. I think uh, I, I mean, 
I was there right at the start, um, mm-hmm. before before your time, Tom, before you and Ryan and Craig came onto the show, and Gamba actually, we've we've grown over the mm-hmm. years. Uh, it was um, the Friday Fitbat Talk, is what we were called, and for any of the original diehard listeners uh, out there that remembers it, it was basically just um, a good mix of Scottish football, uh, English football, French football, German football. <laughs> German football. Je- Johnny was the German correspondent before yeah, he imagine. before he knew who Stenhouse Muir and Forfer and all these clubs were. He <laughs> he did his Bundesliga hat on, so um, it basically covered all these. It was a bit of a, a ramble and a bit of a mess, but you know it was really good actually because you know we we gave it put our you know kind of gave us a first taste of a bit of experience about how to run a podcast and that, and then obviously um, it was we took it after the Christmas I think it was and well towards the end of the season. Mm. Uh, a couple of guys put together Connor and Hamish and Lewis about the idea of just doing a Scottish football one and um, it came about and it was really obviously it, it, it did really well got good good feedback and good to see 200 mm. episodes later we're still you're still going strong mm-hmm. we're still going strong Matt yeah, we, Not, we we never yeah. we never leave uh, even though yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. yeah stays oh, with you a lot Absolutely, stays with you for life. Yeah, yeah, you're 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 born into it, and you you keep going. So, it's <laughs> <laughs> um, so get right into it. Uh, your favorite game: Rangers one, Aberdeen two, seventeenth of May, twenty seventeen. Shinny yeah. and Christie getting the goals for Aberdeen, and the infamous Waghorn getting the goal for Rangers. Ryan had this one as well. Aye. Um, well, well, the the difference is between me and Ryan is I was actually at the game. Uh, he wasn't, mm. um, so uh, he bottled it. I always remember. I think asking him a few days before if you were up front. He says, "Oh no, he was." I don't know. I don't know why I didn't. And I'm pretty sure I, to this day he still. I still occasionally send him a photo of the uh, the ticket, just saying <laughs> I I was there. <laughs> I actually do recall him being particularly scared of a an Ibrox atmosphere. Yeah. Um, but we discussed this on episode 152, humble Killy pie. <laughs> um, this is what the other Aberdeen fan Ryan, who wasn't there. Uh, apparently, uh, on the podcast, had to say. 26 years to be exact. What age were you in the last one? Zero. Mi- minus. <laughs> I, none of us were alive. Six were years old. That, and, uh, it's ridiculous. I think three of the Rangers' first team were born <laughs> when I think that was a stat. And at that, I think Wes Fodringham was like a month old. So it was something ridiculous like <laughs> that. It was. It, it was just a, a momentous night. So, what are your memories of the game, Matt? Um, just uh, well, actually, before the game, it was quite it was quite interesting. I was um, I was staying in Glasgow at the time, so I commuted through. I just got the train through. Um, and it wasn't even that, but but it wasn't even that kind of big a deal really, because Rangers fans were going about. But I had my scarf on underneath. There was no way I was taking mm-hmm. it out. And then I realised that when I got on the train, I was in the middle of probably what you, the, the Union Bears. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're they're singing away and everything. I'm just standing like, oh my god, if I if I do anything or speak, even they'll they'll clock that I'm not from there. So uh, yeah. I had to keep that one quiet. And then uh, I obviously just going to the game. It was great. You know, I just went with one of my friends and. Uh, that night, Aberdeen were utterly dominant. Actually, it was um, you know if if they'd taken chances, it could have been four or five really. Mm-hmm. Um, I get that there wasn't a lot play on the riding on the game. Aberdeen were, uh, you know, had basically secured second place. Um, I think it was only coming down to a goal difference, which Aberdeen had superior goal difference on. So, but to win it outright, you know, go, go nine points clear of them at the time was second last game of the season. It was brilliant, and um, uh. I remember Shenny's goal just beat a man 
played a one-two and then slotted home, and then that set the tone because the whole Rangers never looked like getting back into it. And when Christie scored the second, there was then it was only that the fans believed that well, mm. you know, we've got a chance because it meant it meant so much to the team. Well, to the fans, sorry, you know. I think Derek McInnes has gone on record after and said, "Well, that was only their second trip to Ibrox with his team." But you know, there's so many years of hurt actually going down there, believing look, we've got a chance every time, and just and it just <laughs> just never won. I think there was a few draws over the years, but um, and then and then you got, of course, towards the end when Rangers did score, Waghorn scored it's a lovely little finish. I think he dinked Joe Lewis. Um, uh. Really, you felt the Ibrox atmosphere right on them. You know, they they really cut a, a a cauldron and always like for me it was louder than I'd ever experienced like at Parkhead or or yeah. that. You know, it was a proper atmosphere. Aberdeen fans, Tom, I don't know if you've been like the Dundee United in there. It's, you're just yeah. pegged in the corner. It's really quite yeah. a you know. So it's a, they fairly got behind their team, but Aberdeen managed to help, hold out for the win. And yeah, it was a it was a really good really good night. And obviously finished finished the season strongly. Now changing pace to a game your least favourite game, and I think the bench in this game will make many listeners and everyone on the podcast recoil. Slovenia two, Scotland two from October last year. Yeah. Um, Griffiths and Snodgrass got the goals for Scotland. Bezjak and Cesar got the goals for Slovenia. Uh, we discussed this podcast on episode one hundred and sixty nine. Genetically superior. Um, I wonder why it's called that. Graham Strachan, eh, Gordon Strachan even. Uh, <laughs> This clip sums up the mood of the panellists after the game. Uh, I could be better, uh, Gamba. Um, it's been a sombre 24 hours, but um, I'm ready just to dissect, which will be a, a horrible, horrible um, campaign. What, what has been a pretty horrible campaign at times. A bit, a bit, of, a, a bit of a roller coaster at times. Yeah, we're also joined by Ryan Crombie. Ryan, how are you doing? Uh, just more annoyed at myself, to be honest, for getting up for the game despite knowing what would happen. Hmm. And Johnny Clark. Yep, just feeling the same as always, really, Gamba. Uh, not great. Not great. <laughs> oh no, same as always. Yeah, just as, no, the same as always after. Uh, well, I say the same as always after Scotland games, despite the fact that I was so excited on Thursday, I stayed in Glasgow and went out and all that, and now I just feel like an idiot about it. But. Um, yeah, not happy. Wow, that was a particularly dark clip, Matt. Do you do you go along with Johnny's <laughs> um, depressing statement there? Uh, yeah, I wasn't. I mean, Johnny turned up as if he was like constantly depressed. He just said something like, <laughs> like "Oh, uh, terrible as always" or something. So you know that kind of. I mean, it summed up the mood in the in the nation. I remember that the the. the, the kind of like the post-mortem of that that whole week was just awful like because in the build-up mm-hmm. to it before everyone was feeling confident and that was probably went against us as usual you know that there was this whole like oh look we're, we're basically there we need to be a team that have got nothing to play for and uh they didn't um they just you know we're, we're at ahead with, with Griffiths I remember a really good finish actually like he, half volley on the angle and that mm-hmm. you know we, we Look good and then sloppy goals to concede and then all of a sudden you're two one down and then you're chasing the game. The avenge I mean you're playing up against a team that have got nothing to play for, like literally nothing to play for and we just we just froze on the occasion and it was really mm. really sad because, you know you know because then we had built together a strong second half of the campaign but 
I said it at the time with Lewis. I said uh, that that Lithuania game was it was unforgivable drawing that game, and you know that even the home games that I'd been to the Slovenia game it was a, you know last minute winners the Slovakia game even towards the end the England game narrowly missing out and it was just these games that you know typical Scotland it was you know mm-hmm. you didn't want to say glorious failure but for me that wasn't even glorious failure because we that night we should have gone through and we didn't and that was mm-hmm. ultimate failure and it was. I mean, there's been there's been lots of kind of disappointing results from my own point of view throughout. You know, even in the time the campaign before was disappointing, but really that that one hurt because we thought we were we were as good mm. as there. Yeah, just so so close. I think if yeah. anything sums up supporting uh, Scotland as a twenty year old, if not even older. I can't speak for people older than me, but uh, this was the, probably the game that summed it up. Yeah, yeah, I got I got along with that. Um, mm. It was just. Uh, Oh, I mean, I've been following Scotland since I was eight years old, like going to games, and um, yeah, that was that was the biggest disappointment. But you know, get just given given the whole team that we'd actually built, you know, the Strachan finally started to use the Celtic players well and and all that, and it just you know it it should have should have happened, but it it just didn't, and quite quite annoying how it how having to end on a sad note uh, with you, Tom, with this, but you know, it's, I'm sure we'll. We'll revisit it for three hundred and talk about the mm-hmm. next the next two all draw in Macedonia or somewhere like that <laughs> that, that costs us or or Albania. So it's Albania and Israel, isn't it, in the mm-hmm. the Nations yeah. League? Uh, we'll, yeah, I'm sure it'll be interesting we'll... to see how that tournament sort of um, ruins our morale as a country. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, and yeah, we'll keep mm-hmm. going. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. Hopefully, we'll be here from you in the next two hundred episodes. Yes, uh, Tom. Thanks for ha- having me mm. on. Um, mm. Just, uh, just before I go, what, what kind of your favourite memories be- being a, a newbie? I thought I'd just ask you. I'd turn um, the turning the tables here. Almost. Mm. Uh, my first one of my first one was um, touting Carl Ancelotti for the Dungeon United job. That was a <laughs> particular favourite. Um, and your was it your auntie and uncle's dog? Oh, oh, god! All right, yeah. Um, um, recording a podcast, and you said you would. Put it down. No, no. Poor choice of words. Pr- I'm pretty sure I didn't say that. I mean, it's on. <laughs> it's on record. I'm, I, I mm. think it was. I basically put it. The dog was going mental mm. through the house, and I, I, I put it through a, a, a quieter room for it to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did. I'd like to think I didn't say those that word. That was quite. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Oh well. So, uh, no, thank you very much for having me back on, Tom, and yeah. uh, I, I hope to see you. Hope to see you guys keep going with it and. I always retweet. I always tune in. Every yeah. you're you're good for uh, a lot. If I've got a long long drive somewhere for an away game, I always tune in for that week's episode. Mm. Right, thank you, Matt. Uh, no um, problem. I wonder who wonder who will be out next. Oof. is this? This is our uh, next generation of uh, podcasters here. We have Andy Scott. Hello, hello. How are you today? Um, I'm a wee bit hanging, mate, but I'm not too mm. bad. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Start as you mean to go on, I suppose. And you support? Uh, Model, yes. Babs, uh, similar, but, you know. Mm, similarly, Lewis, you two are a, a Motherwell fan? I'm indeed, Tom. I mm. know that. Mm. How are you today? I'm not bad, very good. 
Starting a wee bit later than usual, force myself out of my bed, but aye. <laughs> and shoot, you're a Rangers fan? Uh, yes, I am indeed, Tom. Excited to be here? Uh, yes, I am. Thank you very much for having me on. Right. Um, you might not know these voices, you might have seen them in the past on Twitter and Crime Watch or whatever. Um, <laughs> they will hopefully be joining us for the next season. Uh, so, just a wee introduction to them before we throw them in at the deep end. And before we get into their favourite and least favourite games, um, be honest, guys. Have you listened to the podcast before? Aye. Yeah, of course. Yes. Done my research. Done my homework. No, I've, I know every single week. Like, like I have a oh, By, by but, weekly, uh, I'd yeah. imagine, yes. It depends if Mother will win or not. Aye. Uh, that's how I go with it. Mm-hmm. If I know so not very often, then. I watch it. Oh, <laughs> championship, mate. Gamdeny. <laughs> right. Um, without further ado, Andy and Lewis, you've picked... Is it the same game? Motherwell 2 Rangers now? Aye. I kind of has to be, didn't it? I think, there was only, I think there's only one option for us there, really. I know. I yeah, know. so um, before we get into what you, you thought of the game, uh, we're going to now hear from Johnny's uh, point of view uh, from the game on episode 171, Baby Letters. I was really, really impressed by Motherwell. First and foremost, I think we, go, we got to go straight and credit, credit Motherwell because they were absolutely fantastic. Um, Louis Malt as well with his two goals. The second one's absolutely different quality. It's yeah, fantastic. It was a, it was a better, yeah, it's the, the vision to to lob it. I mean, obviously it's poor positioning from Anik. Is it? Is that you say? Yeah. I was just thought it was Alan Wick to be honest, but <laughs> I suppose we'll have to pronounce it properly. But um, he's not. He's okay. He's on the edge of six yard box, but the quality to put that in the bottom corner over the top of the keeper is absolutely phenomenal. But to be honest, I thought first half an hour was quite even. Motherwell started to dominate a bit before half time. Second half, Rangers came out and played some really good stuff. I think they had a, <clears throat> a couple of really good chances. One for Windass, which um, keeper makes a really good save. And then from then on in, that was it. The Rangers didn't offer another chance. After about the 55th minute or something, I think Motherwell completely uh, dominated the rest of the game. And after Motherwell went 1-0 up, they genuinely never looked like like losing it which is pretty unacceptable for a team of Rangers to go 1-0 down mm-hmm. to Motherwell and, and not really threaten Do you guys both agree with Johnny's assessment of the game? I'll let Lewis go first uh, Well I, th- I think uh, I think what made that game so special was the playoff aside we've had a grim grim history against Rangers and similar to the playoff we were really really written off for that game you know nobody gave us a chance it was just oh Rangers beat Motherwell got the old firm final I think it was quite famous when about the time you saw a lot of the advertising and it was all Celtic Rangers in big capital letters and then it was Motherwell and uh, Hibs I think it was played Celtic wasn't it in the in small letters so uh, I I think that's what made it all the most special because we've always got this kind of thing we were written off against the old firm so to go and beat them in a national semi-final in the way we did so convincingly it will stick long in the memory Andy, do you go along with that? Um, sort of a similar narrative, yeah. Um, he, he picked up with all the, the BT advertising about the game. We were just always just there to make up numbers and uh, to put out that performance. Uh, I wasn't the best Ranger side, granted, but um, the performance overall, it was... Uh, I love long in the memory, put it that way. Um, I thought, with everything up against us, um, to pull out that, it was it was quite it was nice to be fair it was really nice. Mm. So Andy, it came as a surprise to us as well because I think that's what made it all the better because nobody even on our end was expecting. It. I mean, you went in hope, but you just can't accept the fact that we play Rangers that you expect nothing. You know. I mm. know it, so, it, it, you're just used to it brought up like that, and then 
at Hamden especially, like I can't remember. Um, very few times I've been to Hamden and walked away with with joy in my face instead of like depression and suicidal thoughts. But uh, that game especially, it was it was spectacular to be fair. So, what are your actual like specific memories of the game itself, like that on ninety minutes? Well, I think that we were a team of absolute hatchet men. That loving them, it was good because we didn't just kind of beat Rangers in terms of football. We got them proper, proper riled. I mean, they were going off. Uh, they were going off at the end of the game, like fighting among themselves and everything. Remember, uh, Ryan Bowman. Obviously, that I suppose that was not a great game for him because that put him really, really into the headlines for what you could say is maybe the wrong reasons. Uh, his form really, really dipped after that, and that was he's only just recovering now. I think obviously a guy coming for the non-league, playing with Gateshead, to come up here and then suddenly be this absolute pantomime villain that Brendan Rodgers is piped up about and everything. Uh, I think that that really affected him, but it was good at the time. He put in some shift that day, and it was definitely a physicality and how close we were willing to get to Rangers that got us the win that day. That's how we. That's the kind of basis of our team now. That's how we rile folk up and beat them. You know. So Stuart, as a Rangers fan, do you have any memories here? Uh, I I tried to block a lot of them out for that <laughs> day, but um, I do. Uh, I just remember how lacklustre our performance was. Uh, the first goal went in, and it's kind of cliche to say, but all our heads went down. It was kind of like the players were going through the motions of it. Um, it was Kashinia's second last game, I suppose. So every cloud, mm. I suppose. But uh, I tried. I try not to think about that day too much. Mm. Um, we'll now get into both the Motherwell's fans' uh, least favourite games, and uh, you've gone something different here. We'll start with you, Andy. Um, you've gone for Motherwell three, Celtic four, uh, the third of December twenty sixteen. Uh, if I'm right in remembering this, were Motherwell two three goals up? <sighs> um, we were two 0 up. Two 0 up half time. Mm-hmm. Aye. Uh, to be fair, see when I was doing this list, um, I came up with three good times and seven bad times. So I think that kind of sums up the past few years as being a Motherwell fan. But it, mm. it was that game especially at hurt, um that wee bit more um, because I was sitting with my pal um, who was a Celtic fan. Uh, I, I don't know why I decided to take into that game, but I just thought it'd be better than going myself. Uh, so obviously when we go 2-0 up I'm giving the big licks like oh fucking like, at, at that time um, the unbeaten win would have been ended if we would have won uh, they wouldn't have won the season unbeated you know it's it's quite a big game to, especially to go 2-0 up in um, mm-hmm. and then I just remember uh, Rogic's uh, shot and he hit it so sweetly and it just hit the back of the net and I just wanted to just uh, uh, I, I can't, I can't, I can't explain the, the uh, dejection I felt after that. It was, it was just ridiculous. The whole stand, mm. they were, they were absolutely nuts, and you're just sitting there, and you know what it's like. You go to far park if you bring, a, you bring a big crowd and you fill that stand out. It's basically a home game for you, and mm. the noise coming for it, it was, oh, awful, awful. That was a hard day that one. We were uh, rotten getting into that, if you remember as well. Mm-hmm. I think you have to remember as well that, like, going into that game, Celtic were just totally untouchable. 
Like yeah. this was the first time where you actually thought, "Oh my god, like, what's what's going on here?" Before this game, Celtic had swept the side Rangers five one. Like that had that kind of aura about them, and then when this happened, it was just it was a huge shock. Obviously, Celtic went on to to win the game anyway. But I think even just the as you said, the first half being two 0 up, I think that came as such a such a, a huge, huge uh, surprise to everyone, to be honest. I agree with you. Uh, I mean, see if you ever look back at highlights for that game, the stands and the mother will end up empty. Like, mm. there's, yeah. there's very, very few people there. Uh, I went to that, I, I've never like, expected less. Uh, old firm game, I remember that. Uh, that's that's why I think when you went 2 0 up, and you just, I mean, Celtic have struggled at Fir Park a wee bit over the years, you know. And then when you went 2 0 up, you thought, oh, right, we might be kind of sending a wee message to them here. And then it, it was just gotten the way it ended, I. But, that's the thing, you know, last, last season was so bad for us, that's actually one of my favourite games. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's, that is not on. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, Lewis, you picked a game where you played the other half of the uh, old firm, or the so-called, mm-hmm. uh, so-called old firm even. Um, Rangers 2, Motherwell 1, from the 21st of January 2017. Now this is the infamous McGee Tears game uh, we named that's the podcast... Sad. After the incident, um, episode one hundred and twenty-two, tears for McGee, all one word. If you're uh, wanting to listen back to this, um, this was our own Kelly Cal trying to explain what was going through McGee's head at the time. I think, um, I mean, we we all like a wee bit of a laughing joke at uh, Mark McGee, but I think that if there's one credit I can give him, he's a pretty honest guy, um, rightly or wrongly, in a lot of occasions. But I think I think that was genuine emotion. Uh, for Mark McGee after after the high rocks and I'm just I'm just thinking of it in my head just now. I just it was so surreal. I've I've not seen anything like it before. Um, but no, I, I can see what you're saying. He's maybe trying to do it to get a reaction out of his players. But I honestly believe that is how he felt. I mean, you even seen it um, to sports scene, you know, with the the kind of cutaways um, during the game while he was, he was at the dugout after Kenny Miller scored and some of them were, were really, really, really a sad sight, you know. Uh, yeah, poor Mark McGee in the touchline, you know, sitting in the in the dugout just lifeless. So I think it was genuine emotions for the man. So Lewis, um, were you crying after this game as well? Uh, I wasn't actually, no, because the way that season was going, you were starting to get very, very used to this kind of thing happening. Uh, what made this game so gutting was that earlier in the season, there was pretty much a carbon copy. We went 1-0, it was a league game. We mm. went 1-0 up through Scott McDonald, and then Rangers got, well, it was two goals within about two minutes each other, and then won the game right at the death when we thought we were going to win it, you know. Uh, so that, uh, that kind of made it worse, because you thought, oh, that, surely that's not going to happen again. You went 1-0 up the second time, and you thought, right, brilliant, they're going to actually win it today. And then, obviously... McMahon, uh, flung in that cross, and then McManus just pretty much gave Kenny Miller a goal on a plate, you know. Mm. Uh, so I think that was what made it all the worse. But no, I wasn't. I was raging, but it was uh, by that time I was almost kind of used to it because we bottled it a few times that season, you know. Mm. So like, it particularly stands out due to the the fact that it wasn't a a one off at all. Uh, I think it was just the fact it was a Scottish Cup we played. So the first half it was very kind of even you know I mean we were pretty poor getting into that again as we were for most of last season the first half we get in at half time 0-0 and it was it was quite clear that Rangers were not any great shakes that day either uh, we played quite well we had chances they had chances we had chances. it was quite a level game you know we had a big crowd through we had about a thousand people and if I remember right Rangers the Rangers end wasn't sold out at all so it was quite a kind of 
and it was like 12 o'clock on a Sunday, so it was quite a kind of flat atmosphere, but quite a bubbly atmosphere in the away end type thing. Yeah. And then obviously, Cadden crosses it in the second half, Louis Milk is his goal, and our corner goes mental, and so the singing, and everything. the Rangers end did go really, really quiet. And I think you just get very, because it's different when it's the cup than the league, you know, it's you get more kind of emphatic in the cup. Eh? So, it, you, you know, you thought we were going to win, it was quite scenes, and then in the space of about five, ten minutes, it was just kind of gone for you again, you know, and then coming out, there was a bit of kind of trouble outside that day as well, where they kind of came out to a barrage of police and everything, and Rangers fans trying to throw things at you and all the rest of it. So, eh, I, it was just grim, I can't really explain it. it was, See, just uh, listening to the podcast where we talked about this game, it was quite interesting because we were all, you know, obviously Kelly Cal was trying to explain what he thought was going through McGee's head, but I think we were all trying to work out why he was so upset because, as uh, as Lewis says, it was quite an even first half. And to be honest, there maybe wasn't too much between the sides if you look at the overall game. And so for McGee to, I think it's some of the, the games that uh, McGee's been involved in, uh, 9-0 Celtic comes to mind. Uh, for for this game to be to be so upset about was I don't know a bit bizarre, but um, it was quite a bizarre weekend because it was also the same weekend that we got the Ian Cathro uh, <laughs> Wraith Rovers kind of I, I don't know what it was what he was trying to do, but um, it was the same um, weekend where that happened. So there was quite a few. I think the thing is with I think the thing is with McGee, it was just a, it just all built up by that time. You know, I mean, he didn't have many games since that. Uh, we get beat at Ibrox that day. Uh, we get beat off Rangers at Far Park the week after, and then he only had about two or three games, and then he was sacked. Uh, that was, that was one of the. I mean, we had bottled it in numerous games up to that that season, and it was one he. You know, Stephen McManus was an absolute rock of that team. You know, and I think the fact that it was McManus that absolutely gifted a goal to Kenny Miller, it just it just kind of all built up for him. I think. Mm-hmm. It seems to be a bit of a theme sort of forming. Um, throughout the sort of least and favourite games uh, that Rangers tend to be quite heavily involved regardless if you support them or not um, and speaking of which I think we'll move on to our, our newest Rangers fan Stuart um, your favourite game yep. is Rangers 3 Aberdeen 0 from November 2017 that is yep mm-hmm. so what are your memories of this game uh, I just remember it was a point where we were kind of struggling uh, Aberdeen were I think 6 points in front of us at the time so it was a big game for us and uh, nobody really, I think it was one of the first times Aberdeen went into the game was a favourite at Ibrooks. Um but Graham Murray was in charge and I just, the team was just brilliant, just, there was not one person that you wouldn't say got past marks, everybody fought for the jersey which is always the kind of thing that Rangers fans say, why is there so many empty jerseys at times but um I just think the performance from every single one of the players was just amazing. Uh, Aberdeen looked like a, a pub team almost, or just second to every ball. Um, I, I, I don't know, I just couldn't credit the, the players enough that night. Hmm. Um, you, like um, your fellow newbies, are all very good pals with Ryan Crombie, uh, yeah. a massive Aberdeen fan. Does the, did that play a part in it being your favourite game? Uh, kind of, but uh, also... Like like the boys said, uh, there's no been too many good times for mm. Rangers in the last few while, so it was kind of easy to pick out a couple. Mm. But uh, I think just how emphatic the victory was, um, and again I say like how big the the week was for us, 
because if we we played Aberdeen twice that week, so if we get beat for Aberdeen twice, we'd have been twelve points behind them. So mm. I think it was a big performance in in terms of the season as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you've gone slightly outside of the box here for your least favourite game. Um, I can think yep. of a lot of other bad ones uh, for yep. Rangers, um, and that's not me having a dig because I can think of multiple for Dundee United myself. Mm-hmm. Um, on episode one hundred and seventy-five, the Owen Coyle effect. Uh, the boys discussed the impact of David Templeton after Rangers nil Hamilton Ackes two. Your least favourite game, Stuart, in November twenty seventeen. Yeah. Uh, Templeton got on the score sheet. Uh, here's what they had to say. There's maybe other players in the league where, if you were to give them that opportunity, it's not a guaranteed goal. Whereas, I mean, we know Templeton from the past. Well, maybe not his Rangers days, but he still was good when he was at Rangers. I mean, you know, there was there was a good footballer there. Apart from not scoring, um, but. <laughs> well, well done it but, but you know, from especially from his heart's days, and you know, there's the game down at Anfield and stuff like that. You know, he's a guy who's got you know, he's got class. Yeah. Like so, when when he's in that kind of position, you're thinking, oh fuck, and he make you know he makes a, a guaranteed goal by going around the keeper, which you know maybe not a lot of other players maybe even have the confidence to do that. You're maybe thinking, I'm one on one with the keeper at Ibrox. I have to bury this, you know. Try and put it past them, but no, he just just goes round the keeper. So Stuart, uh, is it fair to say that Templeton came back to haunt his old club in this game? Uh, I think he did. Um, I think it was one of the games where the fans turned up expecting it's it's Hamilton Aki's at home. We're just going to turn up and we'll win two or three now or something, and that'll be it done. But um, I, I I don't really know what to say about the performance that day. It was probably the worst I've ever seen for a Rangers side. But um, either there has been a lot that I could have chose for this uh, this topic. I was going to choose actually the semi final, but the mother old game. But I decided to go for this one. Uh, it was it was around the period of time where we had the kind of hoodoo over us that we could never win three games in a row, mm-hmm. and we'd won the two games before this. So again, this this was part of that kind of the hoodoo again, as I say. But um, I don't know the players just. I don't know it kind of started around the time where people were saying that some of the players at Ibrox was too big for them and they couldn't handle playing in a Rangers jersey or the expectations for the fans but uh, I, the, the performance was just terrible I mean Hamilton dominated possession that game which is I think says enough about the, the performance um, So why is this your least favourite game ahead of obviously the Scottish Cup final against Hibs the numerous beatings off Celtic uh, I don't know I think it was maybe just that it's a game I don't I don't like saying it but it's a game we should be winning mm. but uh, and just how like when when uh, Templeton scored the first goal the players there was absolutely no reaction it was uh, it was as if they were beaten already and then when the second goal went in the atmosphere was just it was toxic I just remember well, the stadium was just about empty about 75 minutes in anyway mm. but then when the second goal went in I think it was about 10 minutes before the end the place was near enough empty so mm. I just I don't know I think it was, it was almost a kind of watershed moment in the season mm. um, and on that note I think uh, we'll move on to who uh, to the end of the show uh, thank you you three for coming on and we'll hopefully hear a lot more from you next season pleasure um, yeah, so we'll, yeah, we'll hopefully hear a lot from you the next season. Um, thank you for listening to the Burst Ball 200 special.
Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We've got someone else, Tom. Who's oh. us? That is the the noise that indicates that our next stop is Hamish Carton. Hamish, how are you doing? Still surviving, Lewis. Still surviving. So, although um, a, a void has been left in my life since I left this wonderful podcast. So I had to come back. Of course, of course. The founding father of the podcast. The George Washington of the podcast. Yes, well, all good things must come to an end, but um, it's it's incredible. You guys are at two hundred. It seems just uh, just last week we were recording the hundredth uh, week of celebration. So it's it's amazing that there's been another hundred episodes since then. It's uh, the podcast still going strong. I'm glad to see. Yeah, I can scarcely believe it myself. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, before we get into uh, talking about the past, we'll go back to the first ever episode. Or the second ever episode. Uh, here are the first words of the baby that was Burspo. Well, welcome to the Burspo podcast. Um, this is our second episode. Hope you enjoyed the first episode. This episode is where we're going to look back at the season that was last year, except this time it's got a bit of a shorter look back and it's going to be based on the awards, i.e., Player of the Year. Young Player of the Year, Scottish Player of the Year, etc. I am joined by the same two faces that I was for my first podcast, Lewis Kemp and Callum Fisher. You still okay, boys? Yeah, just surviving. Yep, so uh, we'll move on briefly and quickly on to this. So, uh, firstly, Hamish, why were you so sad on that first (laughs) or second edition of the podcast? I don't know. I don't know if it was a a lack of confidence or just... uh, the baby immature self that I was before, um, but it is quite funny listening back into it because it just it sounds, um, it just sounds quite dour, doesn't it? I don't I don't know if, if uh, getting older makes you happier. I don't know if that's often the case, but it was um, it was certainly it was a it was a dull day. I still remember it well. I remember it was me, you, uh, and Fisher, and we were chatting about all the awards. I think we actually did the first episode and it never made it to air because the audio levels were so bad or we lost the file or something along those lines um, so that, that is the reason if the listeners are wondering why the very first episode isn't actually available uh, that's why yeah I mean do you have any particular standout memories on junior time in the podcast because obviously you were you were there for all of them I assume yeah the easy answer would be to say oh no they were all brilliant but uh, <laughs> I, th- I think I think the phase we went through where it became uh, the norm on a Monday afternoon where we get, well not all the guys but maybe be five or six guys in that studio uh, and we'd run through all the games, not just the Premiership games but all the games in, in the four leagues we'd run through them for an hour and a half, sometimes two hours and we would we sometimes spoke to managers, we had Jack Ross on, we had other managers mm. on, um, we we kinda, we talked about the games in depth, we watched sports scene before and I think I just Looking back, I actually really, really enjoyed doing that. Um, it wasn't a chore to do the podcast. It's never, never was a chore to do this podcast. Um, and I think if that kind of wee section, it was probably about six months or so, um, where we went and we kind of watched sports scene and then we did the podcast on Monday afternoon, that's probably what kind of stands out for me as a glory times of Burst Ball for me anyway. 
Yeah, and I mean, I'm trying to remember that as well. Would we, would we have had a class on the Monday, I assume? I, Quite possibly. Probably, yeah. Uh, I, I think it was a kind of early... 10 o'clock to 1 or something like that Grab a bit of lunch Then go upstairs We had a big projector And we watched the highlights <laughs> uh, We spoke about it We made notes And then we went down And, and as I say It sometimes ran on to about 2 hours But it was it was just brilliant Just kind of sitting there And chatting about football And sometimes the, the task of getting it online um, Was a bit of a chore And it sometimes didn't go up till late at night But I just I just really enjoyed that to be honest yeah, yeah. Um, so here's another good memory for you. Uh, your favourite game uh, is Celtic 2, Aberdeen 1 from the 27th of May last year. Yeah. Funnily enough, this is also my favourite game. Uh, what are your kind of overriding memories of this? Well, first of all, the, the big thing for me is that I was living in Germany at the time and I actually came back from Germany just for this game. Uh, I've never seen Celtic win a treble before. And uh, it was the time. It was it was a massive game. It was the two best teams in the country, and it was it was just such a, a massive massive deal for me. So so I came back, went to the game. I've probably not experienced nerves like that before. I was really confident that Celtic would do the business because unbeaten all season. But then again, I just knew it'd be such a Celtic thing. With all the times I've been to Hamden in the past and watched Ross County. Uh, twice watched Inverness, watched uh, Rangers, watched Kilmarnock. I'm sure I'm missing a few other ones out there. Hmm. Beating Celtic, and I just, I just had a feeling that something like this would happen again. And of course, it got off to the worst start. It was um, Johnny Hayes scored after about five or six minutes. And at that that stage, we're all fe- feeling the worst. I remember the atmosphere before that game that day. It was I don't know if if you guys remember, but it was absolutely mm. tipping it down like torrential yeah. rain, and everyone I, still, I was drenched. Yeah, everyone still had their hoops on though. It was bizarre. There was no jackets to be seen. But it was, it was like everyone didn't care. I'm sure it was. <clears throat> I'm sure it was quite a quite a warm day. Or it was, it was maybe sunny in the morning and then just it started tipping it, it down was, before It was really off. humid. It was that kind yeah, of warm rain as, it, as if you were in Spain or something like that. But it, it absolutely tipped it down. But mm. I just remember I remember thinking it felt more than a Scottish final. I think I called it a Europe. I've never been to a European final. But I think I guess that's what it would be like if I did go because it was almost it was more than a cup final. There was something more at stake. Uh, and as I say, got off to a terrible start, thinking not about the worst. Celtic scored about ninety seconds later. Stuart Armstrong scored a great goal, and then what was probably another seventy five minutes before the winner came was just just a really really good final. The both teams were at it. Aberdeen were brilliant. Celtic were great. Just couldn't find the winner, and then obviously the last minute, Tom Rogic arrives with um, just a, a moment that just oh, I can't. I, I sometimes run out of words to describe what that moment means to me as a Celtic fan, uh, and just what it meant to the club. Am I right in saying you maybe shed a wee tear at that as well? I, I did. Yeah, I, I seem to remember I, you saying that after the game because I, I did exactly the same. Yeah, well, I was up. I was at the game with with Connor Park, um, he's the one that got me tickets through Falkirk, and uh, yeah, I, I remember just kind of running down the stairs when Celtic scored, complete kind of ecstasy, it hadn't, it hadn't sunk in yet, and then I remember as the kind of celebrations died down, the players obviously ran into that famous corner, and then they were just gathering back to go to go back and kind of get ready for the restart, and then it, it dawned on me that we're going to win the treble there was no way and I know Aberdeen had a half chance late on that Adam Rooney could have gotten the end of but there was no way that it was going to Celtic had won it at that stage when Tom Rogic scored I think it was the 92nd minute 
and I just remember it sinking in, and yeah, I, I, I kind of welled up a bit. It wasn't full blown <laughs> greeting, but Mon- monkey it was, tears. I uh, well, it was, uh, <laughs> it, was um, it was a little kind of tear run down my face because I just went, I've waited so long for this. And I'm sure I wasn't the only one. I know of another few Celtic fans who were just mm. the exact same. There was just something about that game. Something about that goal as well, I don't know, I feel like a 30-yard screaming volley wouldn't have been better, there was just something brilliant about the way yeah. the goal went in that I wouldn't change it for the world. Yep, um, totally agree with you and that's sort of the reasons uh, I said they were on the podcast why uh, that game meant so much to me, but yeah. I mean, where does that actually rank? Because uh, obviously this is since the podcast started, oh. we're looking at favourite games, where does that actually rank oh. throughout your Celtic supporting life? Number one, definitely. Aye. There's, there's no, there's no doubt in it at all. Um, only Barcelona would come close, and even that, I, I never thought Barcelona would be beaten, um, just because they were the best team in the world, and that night just meant so much. But you can't, and, and people may argue, oh, why, why are you picking a cup win over Aberdeen, a team you're expected to beat in in the final? It took you a last minute goal. Why, are you, why are you picking it over a beating Iniesta, Xavi, any uh, Messi, etc. But you you can't you can't lie to your how you felt at the time and mm. that that game the Aberdeen game I don't know what it was I don't know if it was the fact I'd been living in Germany or the fact I came back or the fact I'd waited my whole life for a treble or the fact it was a last minute winner but that is I've never felt that amazing uh, I still get goosebumps even thinking about it to be mm. honest it's just it's amazing yep uh, your least favorite game change the subject quickly not, yes <laughs> sorry something that's not not amazing Celtic now PSG 5 yeah tears of a different kind for this game yes I think. yes uh, uh, tears of seethe <laughs> just one of the games you just wish you never never bothered going to it was a realisation that Celtic can't compete at that level and that, that's mm. the that's the kind of sad thing for me that even after the, the, the prior season when fair enough we get hammered from Barcelona absolutely humped over there 7-0 uh, and taught a bit of a lesson at Parkhead from them and Gladbach as well but you know we'd still competed in most of the games we still got a draw over in Germany we still drew twice from Man City There was, and there was a feeling that this team was getting better the we kind of get Patrick Roberts back we'd added a couple of players we'd kept the majority of our good players we'd qualified much easier this year as much as there was a bit of a wobble over in Kazakhstan um, we'd qualified kind of a much simpler way. We'd, we'd made kind of easier job of qualification, and it was the first game. And PSG had all their millions, and we knew they were brilliant. Mbappe, Neymar, Cavani, etc., uh, and they were brilliant that night. But it was just the realization, um, it, and I don't think Celtic were quite as bad as maybe was made out in that game. I, I just think it was. I just think PSG were unplayable that night in hindsight, but it was just a realisation that Celtic can't compete with that. Uh, and that great place you want to be, the Champions League place, that the Champions League stage, sorry, turned into just a bit of a, a nightmare. It almost became the worst place because it's just, it's hurts so much to see Celtic out class like that. And that's that's what it was. It was just an, an absolute hammering. Uh, 3-0, it was 3-0 after about half an hour, wasn't it? And, and Celtic mm. kind of had a, a bit of a mini fight back in the second half. They, I say a fight back, they didn't create much, but they were playing better. And if it had ended 3-0, that would have been fine. But those late two goals from, I think they were both Cavani, were just, mm. it was just a kind of horrible night. And just seeing Celtic nil PSG 5 when I've grown up, seeing Celtic 2 Barcelona 1 and Celtic 1 Man United 0 and things like that was just a bit kind of sobering to see that. Was it the fact as well that there's so much talk about this intimidating fortress that is Parkhead and 
I don't know if it maybe this is just me, but I I felt any kind of sign of that was just gone that night. Like, yeah. Even if there was a wee bit of that left, I yeah. just I I, th- I thought it was just gone. Yeah, I mean football's played by players in the end, and yeah. as much as fans get a reputation, fans don't play football. Um, and the atmosphere was was brilliant that night, and I even remember it at three 0 down about ten minutes ago. The fans were still singing. I remember that there was almost a defiance. Um, the Celtic Symphony was getting belted out in the second half, and it was one of the loudest times I've ever heard it. And it was Celtic were three 0 down at home. Uh, but yeah, PSG were they were just too good that night. Um, mm. and it, to be to be honest, it's it's not. A, I wasn't. I was angry at the time when I left the game. I was absolutely fizzing. But now I just <laughs> kind of look, look back at it, and it's just. It's, just, it's still frustrating but it's kind of like just PSG were just so good that night but it was more it wasn't that game alone it was just a realisation uh, and it wasn't helped by a few of the other games in that group stage uh, that Celtic just can't compete at that level yep uh, that is us Hamish thank you very much not a problem I'll see you in another 100 years <laughs> yes in 100 years uh, we'll have you on the podcast uh, if it lasts that long that <laughs> uh, no, hopefully we are we're here for another uh Maybe two hundred more episodes, and we get yeah. to do episode four hundred. You you're on for that yeah. one. Yeah, well, I, I just want to say to you guys, uh, uh, congratulations on on reaching the tally, and uh, I think you're you're doing a fantastic job. I still listen to the podcast now and again when I get the time, and uh, it's certainly gone up a level. I think in the last certainly since I left about what is it about <laughs> eight or nine months ago. Um, so it's uh, so congratulations, guys. Thank you, Hamish Carter. <laughs> What's that, sorry? What'd you say there, Lewis? <laughs> uh, just saying, like, uh, we'll hopefully get you on the podcast What's going on here? <laughs> Sauce. Hello. Oh, worse. Right, okay. Yes, uh, we'll hopefully get you in the podcast soon. Hold on, so you're back. I've got you. You're here. <laughs>